Did you just say that you think I'm into you? Duh. <laughs> very, very serious question. Did you get kicked too many times in the head by a kangaroo when you were a kid? Because I don't know if you can see my gear here, lady. I'm gay. <laughs> Andy's taken. Yes. Chicago anymore. today we are in the hotel and it is echoey as fuck in this room i did not anticipate it being this bad today right but hey man i guess i don't really need to intro you because i'm seeing you right yeah. now really closer than ever you're really wearing some cool shoes thanks man <laughs> i didn't know this was gonna turn into a fashion show yeah well we're both wearing our best wrestling shirts funny i didn't bring the bullet club shirt yeah uh, and you're wearing that but i got my punk shirt because today is forbidden door while we're recording, kayfabe pal. And uh, so we're not going to be able to cover shit from that, unfortunately. But here's our own personal take after watching it. All right, Forbidden Door 2, 2023. Uh, some brief thoughts here. Uh, you know, for me, this show is a little bit different just because... I had some company. Uh, Wheezy came over for the first part of the show. Crusty followed shortly after. So having people that don't watch wrestling, especially uh, Japanese wrestling of any kind, really kind of made this more special. Uh, even that aside, though, I'm happy I spent the money on the pay-per-view. I think overall it was pretty good. Um, so yeah, let's just get into it. I did not watch anything on the Zero Hour because I really didn't care about any of it. So there you go. Uh, opening match, as I called it, MJF uh, defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, you know, for a match that should have really gotten people off their seats, uh, especially with a face like Tanahashi, I feel like the crowd was really dead for this. Uh, great heel work by MJF, though, as expected. Uh, I, I pointed, uh, you know, I pointed out to Wheezy that MJF is the best heel in the business. Tanahashi being pretty much the John Cena of New Japan, uh, and it played out that way. Uh, MJF winning by heelish means, retaining the AEW World Championship. Uh, it was a solid match. Uh, nothing to write home about, but, you know, I, I feel like it did what it was supposed to. It just didn't get the crowd up like it should have. Uh, but again, all in all, a good match. Uh, next, CM Punk uh, defeated Satoshi Kojima. Um, man, Punk played the heel well on this one. Uh, they booed him right from the get-go. Uh, you did get some cheers here and there, but uh, again, a solid match. Punk playing the heel. 
a lot of taunting the crowd, and he kind of just walked to the back. It was kind of funny. I uh, couldn't figure out which way to go, <laughs> which isn't the first time it's happened uh, on tonight's show. But, again, I, I mean, I don't think there was really a whole lot to say here. Um, you know, one thing that I did notice throughout the match and that, you know, uh, Wheezy and Crusby really enjoyed at first at least was uh, the chop exchanges, but every match did it. And it got to the point where it was just tiresome. Uh, but again, you know, not really much to report on this match. It was what it was. You kind of figured Punk was going to win, likely going to face Samoa Joe in the next round. Uh, after that was the AEW International Championship match. It was Cassidy, Orange Cassidy versus Zack Sabre Jr., Katsuyori Shibata, and Daniel Garcia. Um, this was your standard four-way match. I usually don't like them, but... Uh, you know, the way they constructed the spots in this one, uh, Sabre uh, Jr. and Shibata chopping each other uh, while having holds on each other, uh, you know, on the other opponents and being in holds from the other opponents, I thought was, you know, pretty clever. Um, as expected, Cassidy retained. Uh, it looks like they're teasing a three-way, three-title match between Cassidy, Sabre Jr., and Shibata. Not sure if that's going to come to fruition or not, but again, for a four-way match, it wasn't bad. It was it was interesting. Uh, you know, again, Wheezy and Crusby, uh, you know, I think enjoyed that dynamic of people just kind of rolling in and doing shit, getting you know fast-paced. Um, you know, one thing you know of all the things I could call out about you know Orange on this one was he's selling the hand the whole match, and then afterwards he slaps up Shibata. Um, and it didn't hurt him at all. <laughs> it was just a weird thing, but, um, you know, again, not bad. I, you know, I wasn't mad at it. I still don't care for Orange Cassidy, uh, but I think everybody played their part great. Uh, if anything, it really just wants me to have, see a match between Zack Sabre Jr. and Shibata. I think that'd be a solid matchup right there. Uh, next, you got Sonata defeating Jack Perry to retain the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Again, solid match. I don't like Jack Perry, and I'm going to say the boys actually got to see me uh, pop on this one. Uh, afterwards, you know, Hook was at ringside, and uh, they head up the ramp after the match. You know, Sonata's already left. Uh, they get to the top of the ramp, and, and Hook goes to raise Perry's hand. And, you know, we've seen this movie before, so I said to the guys, I said, oh, shit, he's going to turn on him. And... <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, when I said that, I meant I thought that uh, Hook was going to turn. And nope, no, not at all. No, it was the other way around. It was uh, Jack Perry turned. So that was unexpected for me. Um, you know, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, Toezy and uh, Mike, they thought I was a soothsayer or something because I was predict I was predicting every match. I said, yeah, MJF's going to win, Punk's going to win, Cassidy's going to win, Sonata's going to win. I mean, those are easy calls, right? Uh, but to them, they were like, oh, wow. So when I popped when uh, Jack Perry hit that clothesline on Hook. Um, interesting. I hope they don't put him back with Luchasaurus. Um, I hope this works out. I hope this is kind of like a Roman Reigns thing where people will hate him for the right reason instead of just having X-Pac heat. Uh, I already really didn't care for Jack Perry. Now I have another reason to hate him, so I guess that's a good thing. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, next was the Elite, uh, Eddie Kingston and Tamahiro Ishii uh, defeating Blackpool Combat Club, uh, Takeshita and Umino. This one I just, I, I could have give a shit. Now this one is the one that Wiesner was really into. Uh, he was a big fan of Tomohiro Ishii, kept calling him uh, 
what did he call him, short, fat Asian dude, <laughs> is what he kept calling him. And it's great because he ended up getting the win in the pinfall. So uh, it worked out. So Mike was really invested into that one. But it was okay. It, it, you know, it, they did tease the whole uh, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley thing. Um, the, we didn't really get too much of a resolution on the Kingston Claudio thing. But uh, I think Takeshita looked good in this, as good as you can in a match like this. Uh, we actually didn't really see a lot of work from the Bucks in the ring. I'm really surprised they did a couple high-flying moves, and that was really it. There wasn't a lot to it. So, you know, not really anything to report on there. Uh, next, Tony Storm versus Willa Nightingale. This is the one I really checked out on because it was a long night, and I just didn't care. Tony Storm retained, or I'm sorry, won. Um, th- this match was actually billed as for the AEW Women's World Championship, uh, and Tony Storm retained as expected. A- again, really not much to report. And then, Osprey versus Omega 2. Uh, called it. Osprey is going to win. And it took the, he's going to take the title back to New Japan as expected. Solid match. Was it as good? It was hard for me because the whole time I'm comparing it to the first match. And I think that really put a tarnish on it. And that, and that's my own fault. I don't think it was any worse than the first one. Uh, it was certainly good. There was the sketchy uh, spot with the Tiger Driver 91 that Osprey did. Uh, looked like he broke Kenny's neck. Uh, thankfully, Kenny seems to be okay. So, um, And it's funny just because, you know, I had said something. Uh, when he was smashing Omega's head into the announce table, and it, and it sounded great. I mean, I think they did a good job with that. Um, you know, obviously, as as marks or smart marks, we know that that shielding piece that they always rip off before they do a, an announce table spot is it it it's balsa wood at best. Uh, but the way that they did it made it seem impactful. Uh, it, it really worked, and, and naturally, Kenny gigged himself, and he was bleeding a little bit. Um, and then it happened to. Osprey on the stairs and you know because I used the word gigged you know and the guys had to ask him what that meant and uh, I, I forget which one of them said it but they go oh well now it's his turn to cut himself or something like that and sure as shit he did Osprey apparently did a much better job at it because he was he was pouring blood all over Kenny uh, it was crazy at one point uh, Kenny's entire midsection was covered with Osprey's blood Osprey did the sixth spot where he licked Omega's blood off of his arm that was something else to see um, but yeah, uh, you know, Callus obviously getting, you know, involved throughout the match, uh, giving the screwdriver to Osprey, uh, the false finishes. Um, yeah, it, it was a solid match. Again, was it as good as the first one? I don't know. And I don't know if that's really important. Um, I think it lived up to expectations. It, it was a great match. I, I'm looking forward to the third. I, I have to think we're going to have a third one. Um, after that was Sting, Darby, Naito uh, versus Jericho, Guevara, and Suzuki. And it was funny. I think I think Mike had left at this point. Um, and I said to John, I said, you know, uh, this announcer right here, you know, uh, Naito's going to go to do his move. And the guy's going to scream, Destino. And it's funny because at one point he set up for it. And Kevin Kelly goes, Desti. Oh, no. Because <laughs> he never got the move off. So that was pretty fucking funny. Again, I... I really don't care about this match. It, it, you know, I would have rather just seen Naito in a one-on-one match, even if it was with Jericho. I would have taken that over this. Um, but it was what it was. It, it filled a spot on the card. And then the main event, Danielson versus Okada. 
fucking Danielson comes out to the final countdown, popped for that one. He started getting yes chance going at one point. Uh, and again, I think this is another one where, you know, to my own fault, I had built this up so much that I had such high expectations um, that, you know, it was hard for me to, you know, rate properly. It, it just, it was, it was built up too much. I feel like I need to watch it again uh, now that I've already seen it. Um, but good in-ring storytelling. Um, you know, Okada got a good, great ovation. Uh, Danielson working the arm, trying to so, uh, take away the, uh, the Rainmaker from him. Uh, a lot of submission holds. And it was messed up because I didn't realize till after the fact. Um, but at one point, Danielson starts selling his arm. And I'm like, did I miss something? Or... And I and I at first I was like, well, that's kind of funny. He, you know, he's trying to take away Okada's arm, and now he doesn't have the use of his arm. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's a pretty good story. And then fucking out of nowhere, Danielson just gets this weird. Um, it wasn't quite a muffler stretch, but it was something like that, uh, where he had both arms, uh, you know, pulled back, and fucking Okada tapped out. It was kind of a flat finish. Um, turns out Danielson broke his forearm when Okada hit the elbow drop, uh, which is unfortunate. So, I mean, that's the report. I don't know if it's definitive that he broke his forearm, but I mean, right now they're talking six to eight weeks, uh, which isn't great. Uh, and then the scrum, I, you know, I didn't see the scrum, but it looked like Danielson started naming other people he wants to face. Uh, I think Ishii was one of them, but you know, again, it, it's really tough, uh, you know, to give an honest opinion about that match just because of the hype uh, and, and, and the injury. So uh, was it a bad match? No. Uh, was it as good as I thought it was going to be? No. Um, was it good or bad? I, I, I really don't know. I, I don't have an opinion at this point. Like I, I really feel, if anything, that's the one I need to go back and watch and just, you know, really pay attention uh, and look at it with, uh, you know, a second set of eyes, as it were. Uh, so there's that. Again, I, I think overall, I think this was a, a hundred times better than the first Forbidden Door. Um, you know, it, it, it it's kind of funny because, it you know, shows like this are definitely going to interrupt your week-to-week TV storylines. <laughs> but then again, Tony doesn't seem to have a firm grasp on that when there is no Forbidden Door uh, pay-per-view. So I don't think it's going to do that much harm. Uh, you know, like I said, we do definitely... Uh, I think we can assume that we'll get Punk versus Joe uh, in the Owen uh, Cup. What would that be, the semifinals? So, you know, something to look forward to there. Uh, and maybe what happens with uh, Jack Perry's heel turn and the continuing saga of Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. But, um, again, yeah, I, I think Osprey Omega definitely delivered. And, uh, you know, some of the other matches I said I didn't care about, maybe it was just because of the company that I had, you know, at the time. But... I thought the matches were enjoyable. Uh, there were some good spots. Um, and uh, overall, I think it was just an enjoyable night. So that's all I have to say about that. All right. Let's talk about... All right. Let's talk about what was Forbidden Door 2. I was a little delayed watching it due to, of course, the Jazz Fest. But... <laughs> Look at I called it. I called it. You shouldn't open with MJF and Tanahashi. Too slow of a match. It's not going to get the people off the ground. I called it. I absolutely called it. And sorry, ODM. Uh, but decent, solid match. Uh, 
I loved when MJF mocked the air guitar, but also walked with a funny dance while doing it. Um, <laughs> MJF ends up winning using the, the dynamite ring. It's funny because when he was on his, uh, his stomach, he was adjusting in his pants. And I was like, what is he playing, pocket pool? He was, he, I thought either that, adjusting the cup. No, he's grabbing the ring. Didn't even, it was a good spot. The match that should have opened Forbidden Door should have been CM Punk and Kojima. Why I say that is the crowd was hot, and I even wrote down here, this really should have opened this pay-per-view. Um, this was Punk's Joe Kabashi. You know, just that one great match that you have with a Japanese legend, and it was great. I loved it. Punk was absolutely just healing it up in so many ways, doing the Hogan ear, uh, you know, twirling your hand near your ear, and then the leg drop. But then also, he was when he was giving clotheslines to Kojima in the corner, he was counting in Japanese. I thought it was hysterical. He's sarcastic while, you know, with a lot of the things he's doing. Uh, one of the things I loved was that, you know, Kojima is doing his peck dance, kind of like a, the Chris Masters peck dance, and then Punk goes and does it. I have a question. Why does Kojima wear a nose swimming guard? I, I don't know if that <clears throat> helps you on your breathing. I don't know. All right, whatever. Then they show you a promo. All out. It's going to be all week in Chicago. Can we find a new city? Bro, there are 50 states. The All-Atlantic Championship match. Uh, which was Orange Cassidy, Daniel Garcia, Shibata, and Zack Sabre Jr. I was afraid to fast-forward through it, and I'm glad I didn't. I didn't realize that Garcia is the new Alex Wright. He just keeps pulling out his own dance, and it's catching on, and people are loving it and laughing at it. Um, it was a chop fest, but a lot of great spots. Cassidy wins, as we thought. Um, Sonata did defeat Jungle Boy in what was a good match. I, I'm not going to discount and say it was crap. I, I think that Jungle Boy actually put on a pretty good performance for uh, up against Sonata, but that's always his thing, right? Being the underdog, the the young babyface. Nope, not anymore. You know, there was rumors that Jungle Boy was going to turn, and I didn't think it was going to be at this pay-per-view, but it, it was, and he just took out Hook. What I liked more about the heel turn was when they went to the desk, Taz was pissed, but not like, he, he was more just like distraught, and the crowd kept chanting his name. He goes, no, nah, you don't want to be chanting my name in this thing. And he's like, he'll, he'll get his day. It's okay. It was just, I like how they got the father side of it, because it's real. You have to at least kind of acknowledge that. Skip the women's match, Tony Storm won. Omega and Osprey 2. Sick entrance by Osprey with the video looking at everything from the past, almost kind of like when The Miz did it at WrestleMania 27. So I was a pretty big fan of it. The guards that come out with Don Callis, one of them, the shaved head guy, I was like, I think that's Lance Storm. And it was all going to make sense in Canada. I was kind of hoping. No, nah, it wasn't. They never really revealed who the those guys were. Maybe down the road it is Lance Storm. Osprey uh, is the man who took Omega's spot in New Japan. You know, that's that's the biggest thing is when he took off, he was the one left filling the shoes. And it was right for Omega to win that first match. And I think it was right for Osprey to win this one.
call me during the middle of this. Are you kidding me? A lot of great early reversals playing off of the first match. Um, and it was completely different than the first match. This one was more heated. We had both men bleeding, which, you know, it, that's for a feud. If you're going to go up to the next level, I'm okay with it because it looks like it's pure hatred. The <laughs> hard table uh, to head spots were fantastic. Uh, you know, and I know ODM, I did listen to your reaction just before recording mine. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, they knew what they were doing at the right hard spots right there. It looked great. Will Osprey pulls an HBK and pulls the Canadian flag out. And yeah, it wipes his crotch with it. He also licked Omega's blood. That, I don't give a fuck. That's gross. I don't know why. It, I think they did a great job with this match. And I actually will go ahead and say I think this is better than the first. Because to me, you have to play off your first. Just don't go out and have the same series of matches and just doing your moves. These guys were doing big reversals that played off of that first match. So I think it was very well done. I'm excited to see the third one. La Suzuki Gods versus Darby, Sting, and Naito. A throwaway match at the at the least, but I think it was to just calm the crowd for a couple of minutes and let them chill before the next big dream match. Sting was painted like Joker, which he, his Joker Sting, you know, that he did in TNA, and they even made a slight reference to it, which I thought was cool. Sickest Judas effect ever. Darby goes to do a tope suicida. Jericho's on the outside. Judas effect. Fantastic. Um, the faces win in what I feel like was just a sloppy match. I, I know that they're they're talking about Sting and Jericho feuding, and that might be Sting's retirement match. I'm great with that. I'm okay with it, but right now he's just not keeping up with the younger guys. He's sloppy, I feel, in the ring. I don't think he's at his best, and that's okay. I get it being in your 50s, but then uh, I don't think that he should be on pay-per-view then or even wrestling uh, on a young man's crowd. And, but that's the same thing with Jericho too. So, you know, I'll digress there. Okada and Danielson. I popped hard as soon as I heard Europe's final countdown. I think it's great. It's funny because you end up hearing later that Tony Khan said that that one night to use that song cost nearly as much as using or paying someone like a full salary as a wrestler in his company, which is ridiculous. So we're not hearing that song again. Um, and as you all heard the, the story, you know, he broke his forearm. Danielson broke his forearm. And I had to go through to see when it actually happened. But it was off of an elbow that I believe Okada did when he jumped off the top rope and landed on Danielson. I'm believing that's the spot, and I, I could be wrong. But I didn't even know it was really broken. I had to wait until obviously afterwards, you know, to find out like all of us. I just thought Danielson was selling and the story was he can't use his arm. How can he beat Okada? And he gets him to tap by, you know, doing what he did. I, but no, they probably changed that fly or changed that uh, finish on the fly due to that. I still thought it was a pretty decent match overall. Uh, I, I The crowd was into it. Danielson, you know, Played an excellent heel. I never anticipated Okada tapping. I didn't have him losing, let alone tapping. 
So I think overall this pay-per-view blew uh, double or nothing out of the water. It blew also last year's Forbidden Door out of the water. I think that this was a great show, huge lineup. They had like five matches on the zero hour that had Tom Lawler on there because Adam Cole was sick. So they pulled him from the the, the pay-per-view, which is hysterical to me because it, it works out because it was the most non-built match that just happened to be put in there. Yeah, take it out. <laughs> Overall, great pay-per-view. Uh, one other spot I got to say that I absolutely loved was when Kojima jumped off the top rope doing an elbow to punked crotch. And they said, if you are, it, I think it was uh, maybe Excalibur. Maybe, oh, no, no, it was Kevin Kelly. A man who has been doing this this long and is as good as he is, nothing is by accident. Meaning he purposely went right to Punk's crotch by hitting him with that elbow. It was just, I, I thought the whole night was pretty good. I, I think everybody put on a really good show. Everybody had a good match. Osprey and Omega, I think they stole it. And Omega, or Okada and Danielson were slightly behind. Again, I, I injury or not, I think the match still stands as I think that was a pretty good classic. You know, Meltzer's things, I'm sure that he'll have Osprey Omega way higher. But I, I still think that Okada and Danielson deserve, if you're going to go by uh, Meltzer's standards, four and a half to five. I still think it was a good match. Crowd was in. It was two legends. Good pay-per-view. If you didn't get a chance to, to watch it, no, you're out of luck. And that's all I got to say about that. Figure we both have to at least have a, our own opinion on it because what are we going to bring it 10 days later? <laughs> <laughs> right. Old news. At that point, Meltzer would already have given Kenny Omega at least 17 stars. 17 and a half, yeah. Probably something like that. I mean, uh, I, I'm excited. Fuck it. We're just going to. Fuck it. Uh, we're just going to fucking run past the news. Kenta decided not to fight Punk at Forbidden Door. <sighs> it killed me because as soon as I saw it, I said to you in a text, man, we we made so many calls via text yeah. like of what was going to happen for the pay-per-view. But um, you called Naito through text, by the way. Yeah. And I think last week on the air, you called MJF and Tanahashi are going to open. And yep. that's the rumor this morning. Mm-hmm. So... But the Kenta one I found was funny timing because it was on Wednesday. You know Punk is going to be on Dynamite because it was in Chicago. So why not? Uh, I think that they were trying to play with everybody. Nope. Nope. It wasn't. It was. What do you think about the substitute? <laughs> so, I mean, the idea is that they have real life heat. And it's all over the finisher. It's all over the GTS from you know what I'm reading, which is kind of silly. But... The way I look at it is, I, I think there's genuinely something going on, whether it's the finisher or not, because the fact that Punk is going to be wrestling in the his opening round Owen Hart Cup, Cup tournament yeah. is going to be what he's doing on Forbidden Door. That seems cobbled and thrown together last minute. Oh, it was, 100%. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think they were really planning on Kenta Punk. Uh, I, I don't Who knows if we'll ever know. So, it's Kojima. Yeah. That Punk is facing at Forbidden Door, it's gonna—it's probably the best thing possible is for him to face an older person because, right? I gotta say, man, he 
God, I feel like he really aged over this nine months of being away. Just looking at him, I'm like, you look old, buddy. Before that. <laughs> and like, even before that, you looked old. You know, he's looked sleepy. Well, hey, it's that, it's that promo. He's old, he's tired, and yeah. children. So, I keep hearing all these rumors that different uh, people are pissed off and... You know, like the Bucks and like we talked about last week, the elite doesn't—they're not coming to TV if he's there. Right? How are you guys doing this, man? I mean, they're already having MJF defend next week on Collision, or not defend—he's showing up on Collision next week. Mm-hmm. They said. So my my point is like there is no actual roster split right now, so you're gonna have Punk going back and forth right now, and the elite. Just get it the fuck over with and fire whoever is the, the least um, draw to you or whatever it is. Because, and I know he's not going to, Tony, no. but no. it's you're putting yourself in a really weird situation. Everybody knows your high school drama. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. I don't think Punk has any issues, you know, anything you want to say about him. He's made it very clear he's willing to come to the table and have a discussion. Yeah. And when you've got people on the other side saying, well, talk to the lawyers, well, how the fuck are you ever going to get past that? And you know what? The way I look at it is, and it's not going to be this way because, you know, it is Tony's boys. Yeah. Right? Fuck it. They want to hide in their locker room while Punk's around? Let him. Because Punk can fucking walk around. He'll talk to whoever. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. But, uh, so let him be bitches. It just occurred to me. <clears throat> I think this is kind of funny that uh, the Bucks and or Kenny speak to our lawyers. Do you remember the media scrum while he was... Chewing down on Mindy's scrumptious muffins, he had said he tried to reach out to Colt and the lawyer, and he got a thing from a lawyer saying you have to, or whatever it was, something like that. And I'm like, oh my god, this is a bunch of children. It's this. I hate to be the old guy, be like, it's the, it's this generation and how everybody is, or the the society now. It's but it really is, dude. It's fucking annoying because too sensitive. They're all way too fucking sensitive, and just get over it or don't fucking work there yep that's me personally so I think it, it feeds into another piece of random news I'll throw in there I watched the Doink the Clown episode of Dark Side of the Ring I only got halfway through and fell asleep he, uh, here at the hotel but holy shit that holy dude's passed holy shit that was crazy but I mean it takes you back to the time right and everybody says oh well it's different now it's different now and you know what in some ways maybe being different is a good thing Right. Right. You know, especially with women's wrestling, when you look at it like that, that that's a positive change. Right. But some of the part. T- well, for the <laughs> part, right. You know. Um, but, you know, Taker said it when he was on Rogan. He's like, it's fucking, it's different. Did he call everybody soft? Yeah. Yeah. That's AWFD. Because here you go, you got fucking Undertaker. He's, you know, well, fucking Mark Calloway, young up and comer. He gets fucking swindled by Buzz Sawyer. Fucking runs into him in a locker room one day, fucking years later, and he's like, hey, remember me, asshole? You know, and he's the, he's the younger guy. Right. You know, and then he saw him one day drinking, stumbling out of a bar, he was going to go beat the shit out of him. And he, did, he decided not to. That's, dude, fucking issues got handled. Yeah. I mean, stage. fucking, didn't someone stab someone? You know, in, yeah, in Sid, multiple Sid times. stabbed Arn, but that yeah. was a hotel room. No, but but, but, still, my, oh, yeah. but the point is, that whether it was on premise or not, right. it was still the yeah, was shit got handled. Far, a little too far. Bad example. <laughs> no, but my point is, no, but what year was that? And Sid uh, came back to WCW a couple of times, oh, yeah. and Arn was there. Yep. Yep. It's not like they were like, well, if he's there, 
I'm not there. It's just you stay the fuck away from each other and quit acting like bitches. Hey, Sting was straight edge and he sat there while the fucking Road Warriors were doing coke and slamming their heads against lockers. God, I love that video. <laughs> and then watching him... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that's a, it's a great fucking video. Oh, I gotta watch that again. That's That's been a while. The good old Great American Bash 85 <laughs> footage, backstage footage. Sting looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> He really, he looked like a he's nun just, in like, a fucking uh, strip club. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Just, right, so, news-wise, the only other thing I have is that I, I have no news. <laughs> Jesus Christ. By the way, the, if we could not be any more, I mean, we're together face-to-face. You would think that <laughs> yeah, a show right. that we do digitally just, from each other, uh, yeah. from, you know, miles and miles away, that we'd be able to put together a good show today. Neither of us have fucking Wi-Fi in this hotel. It's That's just, right. it's crazy. All right, let's talk about uh, this past week on Dynamite. CM Punk pulled a uh, clerks. Clerks. <laughs> I'm not even supposed to be here today. Good for you. I'm a collision guy. But I do think that was a knock at uh, the Bucks and Kenny. Oh, of course it was. A million percent. Of course it was. Stop being bitches. Well, it's funny if you go to uh, Chicago, everything is great. Those those punk chants were great. As you heard in our opener today, a uh, little different. A little bit different when yeah. it comes to Toronto. Did we... God, it, all right, I, I'm doing the Jazz Fest and I can't remember. I, everything is a blur. We haven't even talked about... Oh, no, we did. Jesus Christ. I oh, I did a whole lie. promo on Tell Me I'm Telling Lies. Ladies, it's 11.30 in the morning. Yeah, it's it's Chicken rough. nuggets. Already got a beer cracked. Oh, do, and Mr. Well, do the hair of the dog like I would. <laughs> I had a rough night last night with bourbon. And good morning, 11.30. Here we are. So, now the Blind Eliminator Tournament. When I first heard about it, the name of it, I was like, what the fuck? It sounds so stupid. The name of it in general. But then how it was announced, especially with MJF and Adam Cole, and it's the winner will be getting a title shot. A tag team title shot. Mm. I like Austin? See, and I like it. But not only even for that aspect, but I think I've talked about it on here, but... uh, Battle something back in WCW, and I'm going to lose the name of it right now in my head. Battle Bowl. Battle Bowl, thank you. I was like, it's not Battle Royal. Um, where they you know, look like they were pulling names out of uh, the ping pong balls or the names or whatever. Yep. And obviously, you know, rigged ahead of time, but you had people who hated each other to go in together as tag team partners. The end result was becoming a, uh, a battle royal between all the winners of those matches and then... One winner, and then you were the bettable champion or whatever it was. This, I think it goes just a touch too far with, you know, just because you're going to mash a bunch of people together. We get it. They're not going to work together sometimes, blah, blah, blah. Unless your sole purpose of this blind eliminator tournament is to take two people who really are fucking enemies or whatever. Like, let's just say Claudio and Eddie. Oh. And all of a sudden they realize fuck, we're actually really, really, really good together. And it gets... That's what happens to Cesaro all the time. Well, yeah. (laughs) But I'm saying to the point of where your sole purpose is to do that. You are about to make a tag team. Kind of like the sole purpose of the bars 
uh, best of seven series with each other mm. was to become a tag team. Yeah. That's what and 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 McFoley ended up doing, right? Yeah. If this is your sole purpose for Blind Eliminators to make one really awesome team, fine, I'm with it. But I don't see Tony doing that. I see him doing it's just uh, disputing guys who are opponents often. So, I mean, if all right, if we're going to take it that route, let's say that MJF and Cole make it. And they that, get a shot against FTR. For what reason? He's your world champion. You're wasting a, a time on... You could be using someone else right now. I understand. And he already has enough fucking TV time. I understand and I agree with you. But again, we're dealing with Tony Khan, so let's take his Adderall-fueled obsessions and try to bring it in a little bit. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it, you can do that, right? Because FTR versus MJF and Adam Cole, listen, all things aside, it should be a good match. Okay. Should be a good match. Sure. Uh, Adam Cole has you know a good history of tag team matches. MJF maybe not so much, but they can make it work. It'll be a good match off. But then you've got Punk, so you can rekindle. You don't have to do it right away, but you can you can have Punk kind of doing the wave like, hey, remember me? Okay. And you can kindle that fire and then move on to other things, right? There is a way you can do it, but oh, somebody forgot to put their uh, phone on silent. That's me. Yeah, that's. I was like, when you say that somebody, you better hurry up and follow up with who that somebody is. So. Yeah, I, it, I guess for once I'm just being optimistic and, and looking at the ways that it could work. But yeah, I agree with you. And I don't like throwing together tag teams. It rarely works. Uh, Cesaro, Claudio is an anomaly because he's just that fucking good. Right. Um, but I see Tony doing something stupid like uh, Orange and uh, no. Singh Kali. Nope. I'm saying like he's just going to put teams like that together. But I, go ahead. I already know who it's going to be. Orange. It's funny that we both just brought up Orange. That's so fucking weird. And Nicholas. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let's see. That was WrestleMania 33? No, that was 34. Four. So, five years later. You should be of age to about, to wrestle again. Yeah, probably. All right. Well, fuck, they let Brody Lee Jr. there all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. Oh, maybe that's actually who went. Did I, did I hear something that Amanda Huber is now, like, doing, like, talent relations and shit? She's, She's, she I, was doing, like... Outreach ship, and now, and now, all of a sudden, she's like involved backstage. That says, "I look at, like, I have nothing against her." But what? You have all these other veterans back there. All right, I I digress. Maybe it's just a title to give her fucking some cash and be involved. You know. Uh, All right. You think TK is uh, slipping it to her? So, Don Callis offered Will Osprey security. For Forbidden Door. I heard what Kalis said. I couldn't understand a goddamn thing Osprey was saying. Nope, not at all. <laughs> so, I my only fear is, all right, so if you're going to open with MJF and Tanahashi, likely closing with Okada Danielson, which, because they even, I think uh, Excalibur said it on air. He said in the main event, he actually said it on Dynamite, the really? main event, Okada I Danielson. I not see yep. that. Yeah, because actually when it happened, I went like, I put my arm up. I was like, me... So, even with all that, so I think uh, I have a feeling that Osprey and Omega is going to end up being a fucking schmoz of some form. Because if Callus just offered that at all, he's about to get involved with Kenny Omega's match, at Callus at least. So I'm like, ugh, just let him fucking do this match. I'm like, this, can we just get your bullshit out of the way for this show? 
Well, that would be nice. Uh, probably not going to happen. I don't know, man. I think, again, I, th- I think it's a simple decision because <clears throat> they probably want that title back in New Japan where it can be defended a little more regularly. So I really think Osprey's going to take this one. And then they might have, you know, Game 3 in, uh, in New Japan. Back at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talk. It's so funny. You sent me a text earlier this week that Tony Khan said that Jungle Boy could be a great world champion in any promotion. We're trying to push that he could beat Sonata. All right. Let's just, for a second, what if? Do you think they would do it? Put the IWGP title on Jungle Boy. I just don't know. No. No. Tony, because Tony doesn't have any say in that. Well, you understand that. So that's not going to happen because New Japan wouldn't do that. I just don't want to throw up in this hotel room when I watch it. Yeah, I, I, it, I'm, It's not on my card. It's I'll the company card. I'll drive over here and puke on your phone. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, Punk was handed the Kojima. Uh, the four-way match for the AEW North Atlantic title. Or no, it's not North. Is it North Atlantic? Oh, it's the All Atlantic or whatever. All Atlantic, whatever. Yeah. Who gives a shit? So uh, you got Orange, uh, Katsuyori Shibata, Daniel Garcia, and Zack Sabre Jr., I like all of them except for Orange. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Willow and Tony are going to have a match. I would say Tony's going over. I don't think Willow will win this one. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a good question because Willow's an interim champ. So, like, do you want to just shit on her or do you want to kind of give her the rub? I I will say she's pretty over. She is. Oh, she's over as fuck. It's sometimes hard to tell who's over and what's piped in noises nowadays, man. It's really hard. Like, you can sometimes get the. The funnel sound where you hear that, ah, you could tell it is. It's can. Yeah, exactly. But this is, uh, it, it, with her, it seems like it's genuine. People are for her. Um, we, we already know MJF is retaining. Sonata, like you said, will likely retain. Um, Adam Cole and Filthy Tom Waller. Where the fuck does that come from and yeah, why? MJF was just said it in the, in the ring one day. He's like, yeah. I think it was on Rampage. He's, yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, because uh, what's the name of the stable he's in? Filthy something, I think. Filthy something, yeah. Um, They apparently jumped Cole. Oh, okay. So, it's still shoehorned in, just a way to Very shoehorned. Just to get him on the card. I guess. Yeah. Well, and we already talked about that, you know, it's the Le Suzuki gods against Sting, Darby, and now Naito. I don't care what you say, I'm telling you, fucking Suzuki's going to do something to Jericho at the end of this match and, and turn on him at some they've point. Already, they've already teased it. And yeah. here's, here's the thing. As much as I despise Jericho these days, um, and I hate six-man tags, this should be interesting. We get to see Naito. You get to see Suzuki just chop the shit out of Darby. Uh, Darby's going to do something crazy. Sting will scream and hit a splash and possibly a death dropper. Or a death yep, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it shouldn't be too bad. Guevara actually might even turn on Jericho, too. I'll put that out of the picture. I wouldn't be upset with that. Yeah, they're already playing on that. So This card has way more potential than last year's, because last year they were riddled with a lot of injuries. I think this could be very good, but I think it's almost overstacked. It is It is way overstacked. So, I mean, you know, again, I said it before, the, the two main event matches, I, I would have bought it just for that. Yeah. Just for those two. All right, so I mean, those those were hands down. So not a Jungle Boy. I hate Jungle Boy, but it'll be a good match. But it'll be a good match. Yeah, because well, here's the thing: Sonata is a 
big fucking guy. Oh, yeah. So he's going to toss him around like a rag doll. Absolutely. I'm all for that. Absolutely. Okada, I think, goes over. We both agreed on that, okay. right? Yep. Now, if anybody hasn't noticed, Danielson, besides doing the Anarchy in the Arena match and doing very little in it, like spot-wise, last match was the 60-minute draw with MJF at Revolution. Mm. He's been banged up. That worries me about this match. Uh, Unless Danielson's like, look at, I'm banged up, but I will fucking be great for the match, but I have to be able to rest all the way till. Like, maybe if that's the, the case of, like, how it was. Um, you know, the, he already came in with a pre-existing injury, you know, pass. So, I think it's smart for him to take a, a, the right time and just maybe pick the matches that you want to be in. 100%. And if, if these are the types of matches and, you know, uh, opponents he's going to get, yeah. then I'm all fucking for it. He's kind of become like a, almost like your Brock Lesnar. He doesn't wrestle every... He might show up a lot. Right. He might not wrestle... He only wrestles at, like, pay-per-views only. Yeah, and again, that's fine. I mean, less is more sometimes, yeah. right? You know, we don't need it. We don't need it every week. <clears throat> and, and keep in mind, Osprey's dealing with some injuries, too. He's got a shoulder injury he's still nursing, so... Yeah. So, but, you know, I think these are professionals. They've proved themselves time and time again, you know, so I think we'll be all right. That's four matches right there that, again, if it was just those four matches, again, 50 it's bucks. worth the money. I'll fucking pay it. Uh, Black Comer, so I guess Takeshita is now in the BCC, yes. apparently. All right, so that's going on. <clears throat> Don't really get him. The Eddie Kingston thing, that's that's weird. Um, I do like Eddie when he his promo. Yeah. And Forget he goes, it, it's Ishii. Yeah, oh, oh my God, that was awesome. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's, I do miss his promos. And then the other part that he did was, yo, I had surgery and I ate a lot, okay? Because <laughs> he's like, big, right? On. Yeah, let me put a shirt on. But yeah, yeah forget it, it's easy. I do like, I like Eddie, I'm glad he's back. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and we get to see Punk wrestle. Yeah, it'll be a, a decent pay-per-view. But you know what, that's not our only uh, pay-per-view that we could actually chat about. Money in the Bank is this Saturday, the 1st. And the from the people I know who are in the men's, I don't give a shit about the women's one. Mm-hmm. I've heard EO Sky may win it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Now, what's funny to me is that I read these a couple of different uh, articles, and one of them, and I'm not, I can't remember which one, and, you know, hair of the dog has hit me already, so. the That there is a plan that the guys cash in will be successful but the ladies won't oh and I was like why but I guess actually if you think about it I think there hasn't been a failed woman's one maybe that's why could be that can make some sense so the men's you have Shinsuke Nakamura LA Knight yeah <laughs> um and and Logan Paul is one yeah. of them. And out of the people I want to see win, it would be those three. I want... I do not want Logan Paul really to win it. No. I think it'd be kind of funny. Because then, you gotta remember, who would he go after? Seth Rollins. Who was his match against at WrestleMania? Uh-huh. Yeah. Seth Rollins. I want Nakamura to win. Want. So fucking bad. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Because I'm a fan of his. Mm-hmm. Character wise, push wise, you have to give it to LA Knight. You have to. The crowd is on him. If he wins it, it's going to be the same feel as when 
Ziggler won the Money in the Bank, and then when he actually cashed in, sure, it's because everyone's behind him right I, now. People are right behind him. Do not is, fuck it up. This is not the level of Daniel Bryan. No, but it's but it's similar because there was just a report or an article. La Knight said that WWE made him a manager because they were worried about his age. Hmm. So that's why AJ Styles and, is on your roster. And you put him in that lame ass fiend feud. And he still came out fucking with the fans behind him. You uh, have to put you and have to no WrestleMania kids. spot and yep. not one WrestleMania spot going into Royal Rumble and all that shit. He was over his shit already. Mm-hmm. Gave nothing at WrestleMania, and he's still over right now. So yes, I agree. Um, I really, really hope they give it to him. And I hate, not hate, because it's been done too many times. But same night cash-ins. Yeah. Kane did it. Liv Morgan did it. However. Yeah. However. God. Just do it as quick as possible. Give him the championship. I'm promising you the pop is going to be fucking unbelievable. But don't lose it. Give it to him, man. I'm telling you. I I really hope that's the exact. So like I said. Want is Nakamura because just a fan of his. And if he's going to cash in and win. Or at least giving him something for Christ's sake. His last big thing that he did was with Sami Zayn being like they were. Uh, Sami was like uh, yes, his yeah, the whole truth. The, the, the yep, truth yep, yep, or whatever, yep. So, but La Knight too over to not give it to him. Yeah, <laughs> and the crowd is every chanting oh, this shit too. It. They know yep. every phrase. He, he's it's. I'm not saying he's Steve Austin, but, no. but I'm saying that he has the charisma of Steve Austin out there. Getting to the crowd, knowing when to say things, the right phrase, the right time. I'm saying like he he the crowd's behind him. Right. I so, like him. So let's let's really fantasy book this man because the way I look at it is fuck it, you got so many titles right now. I guess if LA Knight has it, it's not really like a detriment to the business, right? It's not gonna hurt anything. Right. But how about this? How about fucking it comes down to Knight Nakamura, Nakamura gets the briefcase, he wins the title, and then he feuds with LA Knight, and maybe they trade it back a couple times. Yeah, unlikely because that's oh, not know. WWE. Exactly. Fantasy booking. Man, could you imagine if he cashed in on a Roman and won? I don't think that's happening. God, that would be it fucking... would be crazy, though. If they did that, I'd be like, the rocket's up his ass. He's yeah, going yeah. right up, dude. Right. They, they, yeah. Yeah. But hey. even, you got to figure, even Rollins Nakamura would be a good match. I'm sure we've seen it a hundred times already, but... Yeah. Um, I, and, you know, this is one of the weird ways of a, a transition... I don't know about you. You got anything to bring to the table this week? I, yeah, I, oh, I do. Oh, then let's go to the fucking table. Just bring it, bitch! Oh my gosh! Well, we didn't have to travel that far to the table. <laughs> it's pretty close. I'm going to reach over and grab my beer. Whoa, god damn. I thought you were... Okay, go ahead. I was like... <laughs> no, heck no, in the no. seat up. Don't <laughs> lie to yourself. I haven't had enough beer. Not even close. Uh, so... Are you listening? If you want to be the coolest person that your friends know, come down to the Rochester Jazz Fest. Go to the CGI Communications booth. Digital. Hold Digital. whatever. We're not. They're not a sponsor. Hold up a fucking inflatable guitar and point at the 360 degree, degree video camera. I look good. You corporate chill. <laughs> No, do you know what it really was? <laughs> it was not busy on Friday night because of the rain, we think. Um, it was just, you know, it wasn't raining, raining, but like it was just kind of a shitty overcast. But 
last two days were just, it was kind of quiet. So we were like, well, let's maybe push this and, and have people come down because we're fucking bored. That's what it was. It's not necessarily, but that's a good one. Um, you know what? All right. I got something to bring to the table. Last night, two nights ago, all right, I ended up playing a gig. And it, whatever. I put up a post about the gig. And then I shared a post. And there is this twat. Okay. Feuding <laughs> musician. Oh. Wait, let me back that up. He's not a musician. He's never played out. He's lived at his own house. He'd never come out of fucking Holly. He is a twat. He's my brother's age. His name is Eddie Austin. And this cunt, a couple of weeks ago, was on a post just beating the shit out of someone that I know lo- locally here in Rochester, a good musician. And and he was like, yeah, but the kid was just talking shit. He's one of those guys that plays in his basement and he's like, but I could, I could slash you when it comes to playing music. I'm way better than blah, 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 blah. He's just a big shit talker. And I commented on another part about what Guernsey had originally talked about was he said, do people actually really like Motley Crue? I'm not shitting on this band. I just want to know if people actually like it or not. And I was like, not going to lie, some of their hidden shit I like way more than their popular stuff. I hate Girls, Girls, Girls and all right, that yeah, shit. Yeah, Dr. Everybody. Feelgood, you know, like that's all you hear on the stations. And then this cunty twat ends up just coming at me and going, you're a shitty musician too, Mark. You're a fucking church chord playing motherfucker. You, and, and I was like, what the fuck? And then, then, he starts messaging me on the side. Oh, boy. And I'm saying, like, really a lot, right? And I go, yo, you're a fucking loser. <laughs> you're a fucking drunk alcoholic piece of shit. Because my one buddy, Gern's on there, goes, all right, man, sober up and read this shit in the morning. And he said something to me mm. uh, on the comment, too. And I even wrote back in the comment, I go, bro, that was so illiterate. I don't even know if you just insulted me or not. So then on the side, he starts messaging me and saying all these things. And I'm just laughing. I literally, the first thing I wrote back was, ha, 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 ha. 17 straight calls in a row. He called my Facebook messenger phone. Whoever the fuck does that is... And he kept going and going and going and calling and calling. And I go, bro, I'm not answering. Stop. And I go, sober up. Fuck off. But he kept doing it, right? He kept calling and shit. And I go, do me a favor. Call again. And he called. And I wrote, ha, ha, ha. Do me a favor. Punch yourself in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having fun. I'm high at this point. I'm, I'm just sitting there in the RV. I'm like, hmm, yeah, punch yourself in the face now. Let's see if he'll do that too. So where I'm going with this is last night, man, it's funny. I promoted that gig. Mm. And this twat fucking, at, at one point, and I missed it. It said like 12 hours before, and it embarrassed me almost. But he commented that on the fucking post, we all know that you're a blah, 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 all this shit. I was like, yo, I'm going to commit a felony. I think I'm going to go fucking out to Holly. and her case. Holy shit. So, yo, it's funny though. It's like 
it, why I'm bringing it up is it's like wrestling fans, man. It's the ones that sit in their basement and never do that talk the most fucking shit. Yeah. This dude, he, and he goes, you know, there's 24 frets on the on the uh, guitar, and you and Gerns only put because I'm a rhythm player. Yeah. Thanks, man. That's cool. I appreciate it. Thanks for t- telling me how many are there. Um, next day, he took the entire fucking all uh, some of his comments down. Hmm. After that one, after that one day or whatever, and right. Gern set me up on the side, and I go, "Yeah, well, he ain't apologizing on my end. I haven't seen anything or anything like that." And then the last night, I get that. I'm like, I just hate people, man. I'm just people like him. You want to hit, but then you're like, I almost just fucking feel bad for you, man. Yeah, they're almost on the tiger spectrum. Oh my God, Jesus Christ! <sighs> Did you watch any more of their wrestling? Oh no. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't either. I, yeah. I, I want my eyes. All right, man, let's go to the wars. Monday Night Wars! What's going to happen here? Undertaker fighting back. He's fighting back. They're right above us, folks. And I don't like it a damn bit. Oh, my God. Look out! is broken in half. Been hearing that for 25 years. Oh, yeah. It's almost it was it's almost annoying when I see that clip, right? It is. Yeah. But the only time I enjoy seeing it is if you watch the match in full because everything in full, everything from and especially if you've There's heard so much in so little time. Right. And I'll wait. I'll wait on uh, the one punchline, if you will. I, I I can't wait to say this one thing, but let let's get into it. We had King of the Ring '98, and then we of course had Monday Night Raw. We had WCW Nitro. King of the Ring '98 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It opens up Headbangers uh, and Taka versus Kai and Ty. Taka and Headbangers win. Five star classic. Obviously, that's why it opened the show. Sable comes to the ring. <laughs> oh man, Jr. I know that people would marry her dog just to be part of her family. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Um, all she does is introduce Vince. We're, yep. we're going to get into that. Vince tells her to leave. He's got the Stooges with him. And as she's about to go through the ropes, Patterson just gives her a couple little butt taps. Uh, he must have thought it was the ring boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I have a story. This is okay. not wrestling, but it's real quick, I promise. Okay. Speaking of. Pat Patterson and the Ring Boy. Okay. okay. <laughs> Bar at the hotel is closing down. Everybody else has to drive home. Uh-huh. Me, I'm just finishing Small up the. Ri- okay. I told you how the lady poured my drink, right? I uh, had yes, to, I did. had to kind of go at it slow. It's not a, a. It wasn't juice. So, I'm sipping. I'm sipping. This guy comes over and he goes, "Are you from Rochester?" Oh Jesus! And I go, <laughs> "Uh, yeah." He goes. A local boy. <laughs> and got closer. I'm done. I'm gonna finish the drink. <laughs> it's just it's like I, I can't I can't find this off. So it was funny though that you're like, I must have thought it was the ring boy. All of a sudden it just goes, I, I went, oh, I had a gay encounter last night. <laughs> Random. Back to wrestling. Back to wrestling. <laughs> Sable turns around, slaps Patterson. <laughs> so Briscoe runs down the fan. Vince runs down the fans. He tricks him. Uh, you know, 
it's funny because he's saying, do you want to see Austin get defeated tonight? And they all pop when they hear Austin's name, so they're cheering. For yep. Um, Vince cuts this weird promo. You blame your you blame your mom and dad for your genetics. You know what failure and disappointment's like. You're going to be disappointed when uh, Austin loses the title. You have Shamrock and Jeff Jarrett, King of the Ring semifinal. Five minutes long, Shamrock wins with an ankle lock. Uh, he hits a belly-to-belly on Lee, and it's going to be Shamrock against the winner of Severn Rock. Speaking of, that's your next match. It's uh, Henry and Godfather sent to the back. They end up coming back later, running interference. D'Lo, for the first time, is wearing the chest plate. Yep. Fucking awesome. Uh, he hits the splash. Rock gets the win. Rock does the eyebrow. He's done it here or there, but I think we're going to start seeing it more. Yep. Next, we get a VTR on the uh, es- escapades of Al Snow and Heed. So we get too much versus Snow and Heed. This is fucking awful. Um, fan hands Snow a male mannequin head, and he just holds it next to head. <laughs> kind of do the, 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 the stare down. Uh, Lawler's going to be guest referee. At, J- at one point, JR goes, uh, I'm sorry, fans. Uh, I don't mean to denigrate head. And uh, what am I saying? <laughs> I miss this era of Jim Ross. That's the one thing I will give you. <laughs> He ran with the times, man. Well, but in an old uh, man way, uh, in a, in the best of ways. Like, like when you hear certain things, like, I don't even know what that means. Heat eventually gets the tag, and it's just Snow hitting people with Heat. You guys know the fucking routine. Uh, but at one point, Snow goes for the pin, while Heat is the legal man. Waller doesn't, uh, doesn't do the count. Waller grabs something from commentary. He gives it to Brian Christopher. Snow pins Taylor, again, not the legal man, while Brian Christopher pins heed and they get the win it was a fucking bottle of head and shoulders yep yep because you're because they kept saying how can you pin him you, the whole time how you can't pin if he doesn't have, sh- have shoulders and the fucking head and shoulders and i was I'm not gonna lie i liked it then and i like it now <laughs> you would. i gotta say by the way we were at that boy's house for this pay-per-view. Right, yeah. And there's a funny story behind it, but we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Next, you get X-Pac versus Owen. Um, X-Pac took a nasty bump through the timekeeper table area. You know, like where they do the spears now through that little section yep. of barricade? Uh, it wasn't like that. It wasn't barricaded, but all the shit was there. X-Pac fucking went flying through there. Uh, Henry hits a splash to Pac on the floor. China gets in his face. Uh, then Vader comes out of nowhere and hit Henry so hard with a standing splash that Vader fell backwards on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you didn't pop for that one. <laughs> I, when I saw it, you know what's funny is I just recently saw it as a uh, like a botch compilation. Like it was in there or something like that. And I didn't know it was on this show until it actually happened. And I was like, yes, you are a fat piece of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You stole the words right out of my mouth. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Owen has a sharpshooter on while the rest dealing with chaos on the floor. China hits a DDT on Owen. Uh, no pin. It's a standing count, but Pac eventually rolls over and makes the cover for the three. Uh, Bear comes to the ring real quick. It's a sob story for Kane. You get the New Age Outlaws versus the Midnight Express for the WWE tag titles. Uh, the Express are still the NWA tag champs. We get to see China crotch Cornette. That was really the highlight of the fucking Yep. Uh, Rock versus Shamrock at your King of the Ring final. Triple H and China are at commentary. Triple H calls him the Croc. First time. Gotta love it. Uh, 
the best part is China joins the Spanish commentary team. She's <laughs> in Spanish, and she's fucking just shooting the shit with them. Um, this had so many great moments yeah, in this pay-per-view. Well, they call it... Triple H, what is she saying over there? I don't know, something about Taco Bell. <laughs> Racist, too. <laughs> There's more racism coming. It's even on Nitro, too. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah. Uh, JR goes, Triple H, you're not bilingual? Hey, I'm a lot of things bi, but uh, lingual's not one of them. Wait a minute, did I say that out loud? <laughs> Are you a local boy here in Pennsylvania? <laughs> Triple H says the testes. One, two, three. <laughs> good, good old Beavis and Butthead references. You gotta love it. Is that? Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a Beavis and Butthead. Oh, okay. Butthead. You know what? I was thinking of uh, Doctor Evil when he gets hit in the balls, oh. and he goes, "Let me check my balls. One, two. Okay, three. Okay, good." <laughs> Shamrock ends up getting the win with the ankle lock. Match gets overshadowed, in my opinion. There's a lot of shit going on in the background, yeah. and. But, uh, you know, it was a big win for Shamrock. Yep. Next, I mean, I, I, I don't... It, I agree with you that if you just see the clip, it's annoying. But when you watch everything start to finish, uh, it's absolutely insane. Something to keep in mind, Taker has a broken foot. Yeah. He broke it, uh, I think, a, either earlier in the week or two weeks ago yeah. on Raw. Yep. Um... And you know the deal, fucking Mankind goes right to the top of the cage. Taker goes up there. Fucking Rufo almost collapses within a couple minutes. It looked like the zip ties were not holding things properly. Well, you well. see them breaking. Yeah. So, are, do you want to go through and actually go spot? I mean, normally we do the, um, sometimes well, you, this is one of those ones you just sit Well, it is t- one, but I mean, let's sit down, let's break down the high spots. They start off on top. Yep. It doesn't take long. Keep in mind, Taker climbing to the top of that thing with a broken foot couldn't be easy. Did a bell ever fucking ring in this thing? No, I don't think so. Don't <laughs> the think more so. I think about that. <laughs> they go to the top. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're at the top. Yeah, they got the chair. Mankind had the chair up there that never gets used, though, because they eventually just end up on the other side of the cell and fucking... He gets thrown off within, like, two minutes. Did they prep the fucking... Uh, not even two... You're saying within two minutes, like, of entrances, too, by the way. Yeah. Because on the roof... 45 seconds tops yeah. before that, that happened. They just made their way over to the other edge. Did the... Do you think they prepped the Spanish announce guys? Like, hey, by the way... I think so. Because you had yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they sold it really well because they move out of the way just enough, but they fall over. I like how the settle. one guy slowly <laughs> goes down. Um, it's... And, of course, you get, like, a million replays of it. Oh, yeah. No shit in that boy's house when I tell you everybody went from a sitting on a couch or chair position to everyone on their feet at a TV mm-hmm. like what the fuck he's dead he's gotta be dead right and because they're even saying it like he's, he's, he's oh dead oh my god he's broken in half yeah well it's funny because they did that because JR used that same call for Shawn Michaels and Taker and Hell in a Cell yeah well this one is because that was like half, I think they were halfway down he was halfway down the cage yes Shawn when he fell off uh, but this one, I mean, yeah, this was the most craziest thing that we've seen in wrestling at, at that point. Ever, yeah. And, I mean, now we're just seeing people set each other on fire just yeah. for fun. 
I love those, by the way, when you do see those clips and they can't put it out and everybody's freaking <laughs> out. And I'm like, and that's why you don't do it. XPW, yeah. Yeah, the, my favorite one is the guy that he lit someone's crotch on fire and then grabbed a weed whacker and went at him. I was like, what in the fuck is wrestling? Okay, but, all right, they show this a million times. And as they are, is, is this the part where he is on the stretcher? They get him on the stretcher, so Funk comes out, the rest of the doctors, and yeah, Vince even comes out. Yeah. Vince comes out. Uh, they put him on the stretcher, they get him halfway up the ramp. Taker is... And I think he has... Does he have a separated shoulder right now, or is it the next bump that it's does the it? next bump. Okay. Well, actually, you know what? It was he was. It, it looked, I think the first yeah. one, he was holding his arm down. Yep. Yeah, you're right. It was the first one. Uh, Taker's starting to come down the cage, and you can see he's having a hard time, one between... The broken foot and just the size of oh, the boots. But also they raise the cage yeah, to get well, the thing and he's there. still on it. And I'm like, dude's going to hit the roof. I always love that part. But yeah, so he's starting to come down. Yeah, they bring uh, Foley halfway up. He gets off the gurney. He's like, fuck this. He goes back. He starts climbing to the top. Taker starts climbing to the top. And again, 30 seconds. 30 seconds at most. Fucking Taker lays down the chair. Choke slam. Boom. And that's when... It's amazing he's alive. I don't know how he... It, that, was that planned? No. That wasn't. That well, spot was not planned. Then that was the dumbest fucking idea ever. Yep. Again, this. You know what? Again, energy in the room. You gotta. I have to go back to it, man. Now we've been at a lull for a couple of minutes. After like, we're like it was crazy. Holy shit! Oh my god! Ah, we're we're sitting down. We're like, wow. Yeah, well, what's what's the end of the match? Yeah, right. We're like, well, that's the end. All right. When he starts walking back and his hands hit the cage to climb up. We all stood back up again. We're like, holy shit! It's the greatest thing ever! Because we was watching a guy die and come back right now to go for round two. Yeah. The second fall, that one always makes me cringe. It's nasty. Oh my He's god. He's lucky alive. Yeah. And is that now that one I think is where the tooth goes in. That's where the tooth gets knocked out. That's where uh, the chair hit hits him. In the head, he fucking he's concussed, he's knocked out. You can see him do the two arms for a yep. second. So with the tooth it got pushed up into his nose i think it went through his upper lip okay oh yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah jesus the best part about this is if you have ever been to mick foley's <laughs> comedy <laughs> show this is the punchline i was saying is that he said he doesn't like to swear but then you know he goes but i will give you one f-bomb in this in our show by the end and the only thing you can remember is where the fuck did that shoe just come from? <laughs> and it was Terry Funk's shoe because after he gets choke slammed, it's <laughs> his shoes aw- came yeah, off. it's yeah. fucking awesome. But where the fuck did that shoe come from? Best punchline ever. Yeah. And here's another thing that gets un- overshadowed because so then he fucking comes to and he's like, "Oh no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good." And you can tell this guy is fucking yeah. out of it. I don't know how he did it. But then it fucking gets even crazier because Taker. Oh, oh, Ham, are you about to say when Taker comes down, or did you mention this already? No, well, I mean, we talked about him getting choke slammed, but he comes down, he drops through the hole. So when he drops through the hole, and he stumbles because of his foot, his foot yeah. and it's back then. I was like, oh, maybe he just sprained it right there. I never knew back then that he was actually dealing with the broken foot. Talk about being a badass. And the best part about uh, one of the, I think it was the first or second SmackDown game that came out, when you choke slam, choke slam someone through the cage, you always come down holding it and then fall down the same exact way that Taker yeah. does there, which is kind of funny. Pretty badass. And then Taker fucking does a tope suicida head first into the fucking cage. Yeah. So he's ripped open at this point, and then obviously 
the fucking thumbtags. And now this is kind of one of the very first times we I'd ever really seen thumbtags. I, I think maybe think in ECW it yeah. was happening, but for me that was a very big first. Yeah, and it was crazy because, yeah. It's a fuck-up match, dude. This yeah. What's funny is that that's mild compared to indie shit now. Yep. And uh, they tried to get him on a backboard, but fucking Mankind's like, nope, just help me to the back. I'll be fine. Dear God. But wait, there's more. Oh, I know. Because <laughs> here you're like, well, good thing he's done tonight. <laughs> it's your main event match. It's the first blood uh, match for the world title. Uh, I Austin... <laughs> Austin comes out, and I see his elbow. I'm like, huh. I'm like, his elbow's wrapped up really tight. I'm like, I bet you he had a staph infection. Yep. For, I'm going to resume my role as the doc ODM. Mm-hmm. If you have a staph infection, don't wrestle. Well, you know. Don't wrestle. That's what Punk's thing was. No physical combat. That is no buenos. What happens what? to it if it gets hit? But it's, it's tightly wrapped, so it's good enough, right? Okay. Uh, the cell starts coming down during the match. Then it goes up. Vince and Sable are watching from the box. Couldn't see their hands. I was going to say a little handy. <laughs> Hebner gets knocked out. Mankind comes out. Because fuck it, why not, right? Cell gets lowered again. Austin hits a stunner to Mankind, then King. Taker goes out. He's on one side of Mankind with a chair ready to hit him. Austin's on the other side of Mankind with a chair ready to hit him. Taker swings first, hits Austin's chair into his own head, busts him open. Taker rolls out of the ring, takes the gas, and starts pouring it on the ref. Cause I haven't seen enough crazy shit tonight. tonight. Yeah, exactly. Kane hits Taker with the chair. Austin's bleeding. He fights back. Ref's still not up. Austin hits Kane with the chair. Ref sees Austin bleeding. Kane gets the win. Ends with Vince smiling. I think it was real gas. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I'm like, did I, I get I, okay? Maybe I guess you really did have to have mankind in there for that spot. It's the spot as to why, yeah. right? Couldn't Vince have at least been not getting a hand job at the top of the thing, and maybe he came down and he took the place and just did a duck, and that happened because it's kind of like you ever seen the movie, not an routine movie. No. Okay. So they're mocking all the sure. 80s movies, all the, everything, right? And there's a part where they're making fun of Varsity Blues, where the one guy just gets so many concussions. And, and the coach goes, spitting. He goes, can he play? And the ref goes, I, he can't breathe. He goes, can he play? And he goes, he's in a fucking coma. And he goes, can he play? God damn it. I feel like Mick is in the back, and Vince is like, but can you go out and do the spot? I'm like, Jesus. Like, I, Did he have to go do that after just taking easily the worst bumps anybody has ever seen in pro wrestling at this point? Uh, I mean, the, the obvious answer is no, he didn't have to, but again, how much of it was Vince and how much was it Mick? Mick's dedicated to his craft. you got to give him that. But it was also, I mean, it works for the storyline because it was everything with earlier and moving forward, it's, it was especially with Kane and Mankind. Yeah, well, you know, so he mind, had to. Yeah, keep in mind what's coming up for Mankind. So. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, based off of this event, it makes sense. So. Yep. So, and that is the end of King of the Ring. I will gladly say probably the best King of the Ring pay-per-view outside of the very first one. The very first one. The only thing I didn't like about the first one was Hogan and Yoko. Ugh. Well, there's that too, but... Alright, so let's move on to Raw. We're in Cleveland, Ohio. 
Uh, you got Vince Briscoe and Slaughter of the Ring. Austin's announced as being here tonight. You got the world tape title in the uh, in the nice uh, lucite case on the on the velvet, uh, you know, schmutz. It's a dawn of a new era in WWF. Vince is putting over Kane. You get Austin Chance. Um, he asks Bear to tell us what his heart is feeling. I didn't pay attention. He runs down Taker. Uh, Vince presents the title to Kane. You get Austin Chance again. Uh, Vince is about to put the title on Kane. If you remember when Austin won the title, he demanded that Vince put it on him. Yep. He called that out. Uh, so he's about to put the title on the glass breaks. Austin brings up a very good point that I never thought about. <clears throat> he goes, the rules were the man who draws first blood on his opponent. Well, that big bread bastard didn't bust me open. Taker did. He goes, you're going to come out here and talk to me with those funny-ass shoes on? <laughs> <laughs> he wants a rematch tonight. Uh, Vince says, hey, it's okay with me, but Bear has to agree. Well, what about a fat ass? Well, you tell him, son. <laughs> Take the microphone and say it. Spit out the cupcake. Start talking. Well, if it's okay with Kane, I dare somebody in this ring to have some guts. You wanted to be bigger than Taker. He won the title last night, and he handed it right to your sorry ass. Can you beat me fair and square? Kane nods. He agrees, and Vince is all pissed off at Kane. Yep. I, uh, I hated the whole It was so dragged out. Vince, I want to rematch. Well, if it's okay with Bear. Well, if it's okay with Kane. Yeah, it was it was extremely drawn out. <laughs> yeah. But I did like the. Uh, I really, really like the this night. I remember this too because I was like, it's the first time I really remember to. Besides the Yoko, Brett Hogan fiasco at yeah. WrestleMania Nine, never seen a shorter fucking title reign. Yeah, and everyone was pissed off about it. Yeah, what time? Well, happy. It depends on whose side you look at. Less but like twenty-four hours. Yeah, less than. I'm wondering if they did it just because they weren't sure what was going to happen with Austin's elbow. Okay, never thought of it that way. Maybe it's the only thing I can think of. Well, let's see if he wins it. Yeah, no, you never know. Draz comes out to the ring. Sable comes out and asks, "Who's holding a piece of paper?" Uh, Jr. He fucking did the line again. My mom was watching. My mother-in-law's listening. I don't remember this, but I was fucking happy as hell. Sable announces, from Vince McMahon, WWF has signed free agent Stephen Regal. Oh, yeah, Stephen, because you can't use your name William from the other yeah. company. Uh, Sable joins commentary, and they start grilling her. What are the terms of your return? I'm unable to discuss the terms of my return. What is your professional relationship to Vince? I declined to comment. Do you like gladiator movies? Why were you in the luxury box with Vince? Not allowed to comment. Jesus. Regal wins. Um, and then, and then, I popped. Because we see Mark Mero backstage warming up for his first round match in the Brawl for All. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> it's, I, it's so funny. As soon as I, I heard him say it, I go, oh no. <laughs> I gotta watch this every week. It's funny because uh, maybe a couple years ago, I have a compilation of, it's just one cut video of all the matches all in a row. Oh my God. Super and, cool. I, and I sat down and watched it one day and I was like, oh, I'm never getting that time back. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing it again. Here we go. <coughs> Round Absolutely. three, technically. Absolutely. All right. So we got Shamrock in the ring with Cole. Cole's dressed like a waiter for some reason. Uh, Shamrock does it. It's good to be the king. Uh, he calls out Rock, but he gives him credit where credit's due. He keeps calling him Rocky Maivia. <laughs> Lawler on commentary, it's the Rocky idiot. Owen interrupts, says, I'm a better king than you'll ever be. You're walking in my court now. Challenges for a fight tonight. 
You sure can talk, but can you walk the walk? Way to go, Shamrock. You're <laughs> lucky you got that one out. I don't know you. I got one thing to say. Actually, a couple things. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nailed it, man. You nailed it. Um, he accepts, but then DX Music hits. It's Triple H in China. And you think you're the king of kings? I didn't realize he said it that fucking early. Never, never, ever. I thought that didn't come around till like... 2005. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. I feel like it, they the first time I remember them using it was when after he was out for quite some time and came back at SummerSlam. Mm, I remember that, yeah. That was one of the very first times I remember hearing bow down to the king. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so he wants a triple threat, and I said, Jesus, even Triple H calls out Shamrock for dragging. <laughs> <laughs> we see Blackman train for Brawl for All. Uh, rules for those of you not remember, and I'm, I don't, I'm, if I'm not surprised, if I'm not mistaken, I think they ch- change the rules like halfway through. Yes. Or they update them. But as of now, three one minute rounds, you get five points for most punches per round, you get five points for a takedown, ten points for a knockdown, knockout ends the brawl. I can't wait for this train wreck. A takedown. Is this boxing? Is this, bo- is this wrestling? But it's not MMA either, which is hilarious. So. So let's, all right, so we got our first match. It's Mero versus Blackman. Where's the popcorn? By the way, Mero is a Golden Gloves champion. Golden Gloves champion. Yep. Blackman is a martial arts fucking expert. Martial yeah. artist, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> there was booze after the second takedown, and the third takedown, and the fourth takedown, and the fifth. <laughs> and the sixth. Blackman just. Somebody punched somebody! <laughs> Blackman landed a couple punches, then another takedown. It wasn't great TV, but it was a smart approach by Blackman. Yeah. Because this is all a shoot. So yeah. he's like, well, I can't stand toe-to-toe as a boxer, but I can just take this fucker down now and, get, and score 100 points. Uh, it was fucking, you know, MMA one over boxer in this matchup. Yep. So, Outsmarted him, but it was just weird for your opening round, very first match. And it wasn't. And it was good. just basically wrestling. People are like, why are you wearing the gloves? <laughs> exactly. Fuck. Yeah, well, you could tell Miro was pissed because he's like, I'll fucking outbox this guy. Yep. And never got a fucking chance. Couldn't even get started. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. Fucking poor. But even fucking Poor Lawler. Johnny be bad. Yeah, I know, right? Getting cuckolded. He's, your, he's, he's getting your, taken out. He's your Jeff Jarrett. Oh, my God. <laughs> he is. But even Lawler's like, you know, fucking if he just waits for him to come in at him and just hit him with an uppercut, he should be good. And I'm like... I had the easy. same exact thought. I'm like, just punch him in the face Boom. as he's coming in. Yeah, it's... So, anyway. Kevin Kelly's backstage with Kane Bearer and Mankind. Uh, Kane says he's a better uh, champion than his brother ever was. Uh, we see Taker showing up in the garage. And commentary's acting like they don't know who it is. Oh, it's kind of dark back there. Motherfucker, it's Undertaker. You know goddamn well who it is. <laughs> There's a sign above him that says Undertaker. Val Venus versus Togo. I love Togo's Iron Maiden shirt. I love that he wears that. Yep. That's why he's one of my favorites in Kind Tie. Uh, my next note is, are we at this already? Oh, we're, uh, yeah, we're pretty close. Pretty yeah. soon he's going to be uh, having an Asian co-star in his next video. JR mentions that Yamaguchi-san's wife is at ringside. They show her. She looks like a young Mercedes Monet. Yeah. She does. She does have a little Mercedes monet to her. Yeah, you're Dustin, right. Dustin shows up on commentary and goes fucking full Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Lord recently? <laughs> he asks Lawler if he's a born-again Christian. He says the time is near. He quotes the Pulp Fiction uh, Bible verse that... Uh, yep. that uh, Julius Hughes. Is that Julius Hughes? Yep. Which is great because it's not a real Bible verse. 
<laughs> Normally I just say it to people because it's just some it's gangster shit. <laughs> Venus wins and he starts kicking it to Mrs. Yamaguchi. Uh, Yamaguchi slaps Venus, he shoves him down. Kai and Tai comes out, but Venus hits all three of them with a chair. And uh, before you know it, choppy choppy. Not yet, but close. Close. Gross. <laughs> Racist. All right, here we go. Cole interviews Austin in the locker room, kicks him out after explaining that Taker drew blood, not Kane. Head to the war zone. Triple H versus Owen versus Shamrock. Um, yeah, Rock hits Triple H in the head with a microphone. Shamrock gets the pin. Nation and DX brawl at the top of the ramp. Uh, Owen tries to hit the figure four spot on Shamrock. Not as proficient as his brother, but. Uh, you know, it gets the same point across. I love that. Uh, another thing that's going to be coming up very soon is Ms. Arc. Yep. <laughs> but I'm not <but> racist. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Taker comes to the ring. He's in the ring with Cole. Uh, they asked him, why did you interfere last night? He said, you know, I may have my issues with my brother, but I'm not going to sit back and see him light himself on fire trying to be me. So I did what I did. Vince comes out, runs him down. You did what you had to do. You're compassionate. You think you can beat Kane for the title, and you don't think you can beat Austin for the title. So, I, I kind of like that, you know, yep. turning everybody against everybody. Next, Mark Canterbury, formerly known as Henry Godwin, is fighting Bradshaw in another King of the Ring first round match. <sighs> and this was the reason <laughs> this entire fucking... You could have just made this match, Bro. and that's it. Bro, I heard Bradshaw <laughs> talking backstage, talking like a tough guy, so I figured, who can knock him out? Bro. And you yeah. bring in former Hog. Hog. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... It this was, was not wrestling takedowns. No, this was just fucking... As close as you can get to barroom. I was going to say a bar. Like, like, But you have gloves on, yep. so you can't just, you know... They were just throwing haymakers. Uh, Bradshaw landed some heavy blows in the second round, gave him the clear advantage. Yep. No knockdowns, no knockouts, but uh, no takedowns either. Right. Uh, but Bradshaw wins. How pissed do you think Vince Russo was backstage well, as soon as he won? I mean, spoiler alert. I mean, he must have been pissed until the very end. Well, yeah, I'm know. just, it's, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess as much of a twat as Bradshaw is, he's good still for a him. Pretty, good, good for him. Kicker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, LOD 2000 comes to the ring with no signing. They have a big surprise for the fans, and they call out Paul Ellering. And JR goes, I thought he was dead. <laughs> JR's on fire! <laughs> uh, DOA come to the ring and Ellering turns. I don't remember this. Yep. Yeah, wow. All right, there you go. I did not remember that at all, and I don't think it lasts long. I think he's I out the door so. in like two seconds. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. They obviously didn't know what to do with LOD at this point. I wonder, because obviously what's coming up soon. Bringing yeah. him in to maybe. It's Hawk. Yeah, Hawk's not doing well. At this I think. Point. Actually, no, I'm not going to say that Ellering is gone soon because I feel like he plays a little hand in... Oh, in draws thing? All of it, yeah. yeah. It, well, especially with uh, the, the actual, like, bro, you have a problem kind right. of thing. I yeah. think you actually have a segment where he does that with him. Oh. I think. I could be wrong. All right. Uh, Kevin Kelly interviews Taker. Nobody tells me what to do. He shoves Kelly out of the way. Your main event is Austin versus Kane for the WWF World Tail. Uh, Did you say the World Tail? Yeah, title, whatever. I don't know, you know, whatever. Hair of the dog. 
There's the dog. Taker comes to the ring mid-match. Austin wins with a stunner. Taker comes into the ring. He's distracted by Bearer. Austin hits a stunner on Taker. There's another one where we get that extra attitude segment. It's just Kane and Bearer fighting. Taker hits a choke slam and uh, beats the shit out of Paul Bearer after the match. And uh, that is Raw. So now we shall move on to Nitro. We had an opening shot from a helicopter of an 18-wheeler. It's DDP and Malone. They're making their way to the arena in Tampa, the Ice Palace. We'll get updates of, of this throughout the show. Gene's on the ramp with Kevin Green. Cuts a promo on the giant head egg. That, that other guy, that other loser guy <laughs> for jumping him. Puts over Goldberg. That's it. We get Horace versus Canyon. Canyon wins the flock. Flocks. Canyon holds him off at first. Raven cuts a promo on him. Hits the even flow. Now we get our opening video for Nitro. <laughs> the other week, like, okay, we're just gonna do a bunch of shit. Then we'll fucking put the intro video in there. It's like I'm, when, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like when pubic animal like all of a sudden is in the ring one day. <laughs> match happens for ten minutes. We're like, all right, we're gonna start the show, everybody. Y'all ready? Oh fuck, we were already live. Uh, DD, they they show a phone call from Thunder where DDP was talking to commentary and he says that him and the big guy, the big man, are leaving Salt Lake City. We're heading straight to Tampa. Uh, next, we get the black and white backstage with chains and crowbars. They're ready for DDP and Malone. Gene's on the ramp with Stevie Ray. He's got a problem with Pip Squeak Benoit uh, and that no wrestling partner of his. Because my brother wants to do it a tag match diplomatically. Don't worry about where my brother is. I want to do a tag match tonight. My brother follows everything I do. I mean, ultimately, he got the point across, but not a lot to say. I mean, you kind of get the gist of it without him speaking. But I, You know where this is. I personally remember where this is all heading. But right. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Next, you get Little Dragon versus Eddie. Uh, Eddie's still looking for Chavo on his way to the ring. He checks under the ring. He goes to the top for the splash, and Chavo arrives with his trusty hobby horse, Pepe. Pepe! Chavo, I am feeling a little hoarse. What's the long face, Eddie? <laughs> yeah! That's my favorite joke, man. Yeah, Eddie chases Chavo to the back. It's just... Did I ever tell you, when I went to Chicago a couple of months ago for work, and my VP's there, we're all hanging out and talking, he goes, everybody, just t- tell a quick joke. Tell... I go, uh... he goes, go. And I go, off the top of my head, my favorite one is just, Horace walks into a bar, bartender says, why a long face? And he goes, well, that fucking sucked. And then looked over at someone else, and I laughed harder than anybody. I was like, ah. Yeah. At least he didn't go, boo. Die. That's saved for the podcast only. <laughs> uh, yeah. Next we see Jericho in the locker room with Ultimo Dragon. He goes, hey, man, you beat Malenko, and I'll give you a title shot on Thursdays. Butter, buttering him up. I had to fucking pause this like eight times to get these names written down. You get Sumo Fuji and Judo Sua versus Giant. Uh, we see Wade Boggs in the crowd, which is hilarious. I thought he was going to get involved. That seems to happen a lot on Nitro, but it, it wasn't the case. Um, it's a squash. There was a beatdown post-match. Hennig cuts a promo on Green and Goldberg. Hennig says, hey, Boggs, I like you, so I'm going to give you a pass. Green comes to the ramp. Goldberg follows the black and white powders. Big pop. Next, you get Hogan and Bischoff to the ring. It's another rambling promo on Malone and DDP. Uh, all focused around Hogan wanting to be a truck mechanic. Cool story. Bro. <laughs> I 
Hour two, Bulldog and Anvil versus Stan Luger. I forgot Bulldog and Anvil were there. Uh, there was more posturing than wrestling in this one, Stan Luger win. Next, you get Saturn versus Reese. Saturn now has music in addition to the air siren on his entrance. Have you ever noticed that Reese looks like a midget in a giant's body? <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> kind of does. You're right. Uh, I, I get it. I see it. I see it. That's fucking it's good. like there's another midget under him. <laughs> They're stacked. They're the doing the uh, little <laughs> rascal <laughs> thing. Saturn hits a DVD driver on, uh, on Reese, which was kind of impressive to see. The flock flocks. Raven again cuts a promo. <laughs> another even flow. Nevermore. Um, in the category of I'll take matches I never expected to see for 100, El Vampiro versus Brad Armstrong. I remember this match and I watch it yearly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you almost had me. Vampiro wins. Uh, we get a, a quick little flash on the screen for NWO Late Hour. Sounds dirty. <sighs> Next, this is another one. I'll I be busy watching Life Without Shame. Yeah, I know, right? Pretty much the same thing. Shima, Nabunaga, and Tokyo Magnum versus the Dancing Douches, which if you're unfamiliar is Disco Dingus and Alex Wright. Douches win. They argue about whose music to dance to afterwards. I don't know why, but I kind of like that storyline. <sighs> I don't know why. Yeah. You both are annoying as fuck. Let's put you guys together right. as a team. At least one's a good wrestler. Ultimo Dragon versus Malenko. And the other one's Alex Wright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Set you up. That was a softball right there. Uh, Jericho That's what she said. Jericho and Dragon faced on Thunder. Dragon had the sleep around, but Malenko interfered. He's still gone batshit crazy. Jericho's taunting from the rack, and he goes, Tampa, isn't this where your father's buried? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Malenko immediately releases the Cloverleaf to chase him <laughs> to the back. Dragon wins by countout. You get hour three. It opens with a, a recap of Thunder. We see Benoit talking to Arn in the back. Basically wants Arn back in the fold, and Arn's like, hey, man, no, I'm done. He's working in the front office now, and uh, yeah, there you go. Just hang with me and my Glock. <laughs> was, well, it's funny because he yelled at the camera, is that thing still rolling? I was waiting for him to pull out a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Next, you get Harlem Heat versus Benoit and Mongo. Hart comes to the ring uh, towards the end of the match. He hits Booker while the rest distracted. Mongo gets the pin. We go back to the locker room. Jericho and Dragon are arguing after that last match. Malenko runs in for the beatdown. He actually takes out Dragon as well, letting Jericho escape while he's screaming like a little girl. <laughs> so we finally get to NWA, NWO Late Hour. It's it's the Tonight Show, but Bischoff's the host and Liz is the co-host. Steiner comes out. Steroids is a hell of a drug. Um, he goes... See this vein right here? This vein is bigger than most people's arms. I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's what's fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, he talks about Malone and DDP. Steiner says he has a secret, but he doesn't want to spoil the surprise. Said he's got a guy that looks as good as him, as genetically gifted, as big a star as him. It's my new co-star, and I'm going to bring him on the show next week. Is it just bus return? I think it's just bus return from Oh, okay. I think that's who I actually had no idea who he was referring to, yeah. so maybe it is. Let's see if I'm right. That's a quick turnaround on a neck injury. I know, right? Well, it was fucking, you know. Yeah. Opioids are a hell of a drug. Well, that's what happens when you... No, never mind. <laughs> Gene's on the ramp with Booker T. He says, hey, I'm not worried about me and my brother. I'm worried about Brett, that sissified punk. <laughs> Stevie comes out. 
He's not happy about Booker issuing challenges. He's like, you should just fucking go beat his ass. He's like, no, I want Brett in a match. Brett comes out and he goes, hey, let me go ahead and ask you a question. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck, Brett? I rewound that at least a couple of times. I thought it was great. I was like, did he just do that? And I was like, I think he's being a dick. Booker T, be looking for you. <laughs> I saw it go, ooh. <laughs> ooh. He accepts some matches. Don't cry after you lose. Stevie's pissed he didn't just go after him right there. Hogan and Bischoff are backstage. They're pissed that Malone and DDP haven't shown up and they're likely not going to. And Hogan, I know what we're going to do next. Do ya? Uh, Buffer announces the main event, which is Glacier versus Goldberg. Goldberg wins in like two minutes. We still have like 15 minutes left in the show. Hogan and Bischoff come to the ring. They're pissed. They call out Malone. And we see the truck pulling up to the arena. Malone and DDP head to the ring with chairs. They slide in behind Hogan and Bischoff. Uh, Hogan pushes Bischoff into DDP. They throw him out. It's a stare down. Uh, Malone gets a hold on. Uh, goes into a slam, couple clotheslines, Hogan rolls out, DDP's on the mic, uh, he says, you just been slam dunked, punk, sick burn. Um, been saving that all week. Yeah, uh, you'll feel the bang, pop up, <coughs> show. That's it. That's your lot. Well, that was pretty good week overall. Some, some good... Fun segments. I think that Nitro was more laggy of a show. I think it was just excited. To, I was excited to see the Brawl for All return. Maybe it was that. Uh, next week. So maybe it is Buff. I think it is. Maybe. I, I think I think it is, man. I thought he was gone a lot longer. You're probably right. It was a pretty bad injury, so he might be out longer. I'm just wondering because I don't remember unless it was a... Oh, maybe it's Warrior. <laughs> no, that's not until I think... I uh, Before Halloween Havoc. Yeah, yeah. Because they fight at Halloween Havoc, Halloween so I think Havoc, September. Yeah. Yo, I remember the Raw. Or not, I'm sorry, not the Raw. Nitro, one of the only times it actually came to fucking Buffalo. And there was one Warrior and Hogan. Yeah, but Warrior and Hogan oh. have a big stare down there too as well. Like I, Yeah, I wanted to go to it, but I had other shit going on for school-wise. So, yeah, I'll tell you about my personal life later. Let's, let's talk about a movie. Jazz. <laughs> we were just discussing the beauty of uh, working together face to face. It's our first real break together yeah. on a podcast. And you're outside with some chicken nuggets, and of course, the Jazz Fest is going on. And the guy just walks by us and goes, Hmm, smells like jazz out here. Dad jokes. <laughs> oh boy. Well, it smells like forgotten room keys. Yeah. Okay. So, I, <laughs> Jesus, I remembered the chicken nuggets, forgot the room key, had to go get a new one made, and here we are, finally. Jesus, it's like a, it's like a comedy movie. Yeah. This isn't a movie. 
And you know it isn't a movie. This week's movie of the week. There's a movie in it. There is a movie in it. We, a couple of weeks back... No. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe about a couple of months ago. Four months, yeah. We're, it was our first, you know, no wrestling podcast, which we have decided, by the way, is going to be kind of like your big four. Oh, Soon I to come. All about that. Yeah, you got to stop texting things. In there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember this shit. You know how many ideas that you've brought up, and I'm like, so when are we doing this? You're like, when? Hey, they just pop in there. I'm just glad you remembered to come here today. So, <laughs> and and one thing we dove a, a tiny bit into was, and we said, you know, spoiler alert. We talked about Breaking Bad. We talked a, a little bit about Better Call Saul. We were talking about just that whole saga. And then, of course, there is the follow-up to the entire thing with El Camino. Basically, the Jesse Pinkman story. Now, today is a major, 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 major spoiler alert. But I I think, really, that kind of is without say with every movie of the week. Because we pretty much go into all of it. Why we're doing this is because I think we agree. This is probably some of the very best cinematic... uh, masterpieces on TV that and he didn't strike gold not once but twice I think I I really 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 love Better Call Saul a lot of people are like well I just couldn't get into it like just fucking watch it just get it it's all gonna make sense I promise you you gotta see it I'm like fine the first season doesn't have all your characters but as soon as you start getting your Gus's and everybody in there and and it's but and yeah it's got Tuco in the first episode very first episode he closes out the first episode i'm glad you said that because i'm gonna go into timeline history so that's the that's the if you guys want to know a little bit as to why better call Saul is probably better than breaking bad it's because it's the reason you like breaking bad the lead up of everything that was in better call Saul, the backstory only a couple of things i feel were shoehorned in not shoehorned um i did not like when and is you know fast forwarding too much, but when Jesse and Walter showed up, Walter looked like Walter in Better Call Saul when they had Jimmy on his knees with the it was Lalo, it was Lalo. Yeah. Jesse looked fucking fifty. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> we couldn't fix this at all. And the same with Todd looked fucking huge in El Camino. Right. He was like a hundred pounds less in character, and they were doing the flashback during the time of that. Right. Only two things. But who the hell am I to talk about anybody's body? Well, no, but you want to talk about a masterpiece here. This thing don't sell itself. Jazziest in the world. I am. So, we're going to go kind of in order of history. All right. So that would actually give us to kind of both timelines roughly around the same time. But you got Grey Matter Tech is built with Gretchen, Elliot, who are a married couple, and Walter White. And he's married to Skyler. And he was a part of this for a while, but then he ends up... Yeah, I love in the hotel when they're just moving shit around above me. It's awesome. That's not us. So, what I... So, he ends up becoming a, a teacher and, you know, kind of selling stock. And he got, like, peanuts, basically, for it, for what yeah. it ends up becoming worth. Meanwhile, you have Jimmy McGill. Slippin' Jimmy. Now, Jimmy is basically a con artist he has his one buddy marco the scams that they pull are fantastic the watch thing 
and then a, a, a cache on the ground and watch. I'm not going to go through each everything, right? But then all the different scam. Oh, the quarter. No, this one he the, he's facing the other way. Or the half kind of the Kennedy yeah, he's fa- thought, facing yeah. the other yeah. way. The people are trying to sell it. I mean, great fucking work that they do. And that's how he's slipping Jimmy because then he got slipping Jimmy because he he loved the winter time. He told the story to the two uh, skateboarding guys. Mm-hmm. He loved the winter time because that's when it was money time. Yep. Because Slippin' Jimmy was there to slip on some ice and rake in some cash. I did a little thought into this. I really, 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 really think with all said and done for everyone to have met each other, if Jimmy McGill never met these skateboarding punks, I'm pretty fucking sure that Everything else wouldn't happen. It's the catalyst. It is the very beginning to everything because he wouldn't have met Tuco, which wouldn't have had him get involved with... He did get a little bit involved with uh, Mike Ehrentrout's matters while he's being a Uh uh, parking attendant dealing with his past, and we'll get into that. But without that, he doesn't have that intro to there meeting uh, Nacho. Yeah. Nacho being like, this guy can fucking talk. Nobody has ever talked Tuco down before. Uh-huh. Which, one of my favorite scenes is watching him negotiate with Tuco. Yep. And he, going from black eyes to... And then he goes, and I'll break their their legs. He goes, how many? Two! They got two legs! <laughs> Tuco's fucking great. But then, it's funny because the guy he beats the living shit out of uh-huh. in Breaking Bad... Which I believe also partially opens season two is when, uh, or season three maybe or whatever it is when he's working with Tuco or whatever the sea in. He beats the fuck out of that guy and he kills him. Yep, yep. Little bitch can't take a beating. <laughs> that guy gets involved in this, and I love it because he goes, "Yo, that guy already has a black eye. Stop helping." <laughs> I'm very well versed. I'm going to say I'm Better Call Saul because I just rewatched it recently. But um, to get into this as well, I like that they're going the, the going in, in uh, the Ford in history. Or I'm sorry, Jesus Christ, black and white. Is black and day. white is present day for yeah. for the whole thing. So I really do believe that's the beginning. If he didn't do the, the skateboarding punks thing, which is oh my god, another great line is the. Let me see. After the skateboarders do the the thing to Jimmy on his car, and they, how much do you think it's worth? He goes, $500. And he goes, the only way my car is worth $500 if there was a fucking $300 hooker in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got to talk about the opening shot, too, of Better Call Saul. The very first they opening shot? They show him walking out of the courthouse, and you see the white Cadillac there. Yes. But he doesn't get in it because he doesn't have it yet. He gets into his piece of shit car. The yellow, yep, yep. And that, which that car makes, that, that car has a lot of presence in this oh, movie, yeah. in this show. Um, and he basically is having to deal with his brother, who is a phenomenal lawyer, Chuck McGill, who is, ele- is allergic to basically. Electric, we'll call electricity. It. Electricity. Yeah, yeah, he thinks he is right. Um, but Chuck has always bailed him out. Um, one of the big reasons Jimmy be, had to become a lawyer is he started working at in the mailroom at HHM, which is part of uh, Hamlin Hamlin McGill. Chuck McGill is that other lawyer. 
<laughs> the final thing, I think it was called the San Francisco sunroof, is that or whatever it is, that Jimmy's last big fucking problem that he got arrested for and Chuck had to bail him out is he was trying to get back at his dickhead boss out there and he saw his car with the sunroof open and decided to take a shit. And he goes, and I, get, and I gave him some custard. But he didn't realize that there was kids sitting in the back seat. <laughs> when he tells that story during bingo, that's one of my favorite things because he just goes off on a tangent and everybody's just sitting there with the daubers just watching and just waiting and waiting. That's, see, that's the fucked up thing about that show. As much of the tie-in that it has with Breaking Bad, it really is Jimmy's story. Um, and again, it's it's Saul. You know, we know him as Saul from Breaking Bad, but it's Jimmy. Mm-hmm. You get to know fucking Jimmy, and Jimmy's the important character. Like you mentioned the bingo games. Yep. Dude, he fucking got in with all the old people and formed a class action lawsuit and fucking rode that to the end. And that in itself was a crazy story. Oh God, it's and you know and you you root for him on his scams, but then you even find the moments where you you're like, come on, dude, that's an old person, man. Like, like turning all the ladies against the one so she could get them to settle. Yeah. Um, but then how he turned it around though and wore the mic with. Uh, Aaron, who works at the at that one, the, the short little girl that was, uh, what what is the I, all right? So Kim ends up working at Schweikart and Coakley. Yeah. There's HHM, but then there's the other one in Arizona or whatever, right? That Jimmy that works Jimmy with. Works with yeah. The boss plays the guitar. I can't yeah. think of who he is, <laughs> but he's but that boss six Aaron on him. That girl with the long black hair and mm-hmm. she it but. They staged that whole thing where he's like, I hope all these people, uh, blah, blah, blah. He's like, so I can get my money. That's all I care about. I liked how they, how he redeemed himself, I guess. Because he, that's not the first time he's actually going to do some really awesome redemption. Spoiler alert, by the way. That's the best, that's the best part. So let's take a sidestep to, like I already mentioned him, Mike Ehrmantraut is a part of the show in the first episode as well and you're like oh I'm in oh my god like it, now I'm getting his backstory and he's just a parking attendant you're like how the fuck did this do that and then his opening scene in Breaking Bad is bitch slapping Jesse in his house being like repeat it I woke up she's dead I woke up she's dead you know, but this one he's just a quiet parking attendant yep. but we find out he used to be a cop in Philly oh god yeah and his son became a cop and fell into some dirty shit with the, you know, how you cops who were on the take, right? That's usually the word. And his, uh, Matt is his, his son's name. We see his daughter all the time and his granddaughter all the time in Breaking Bad. When we first see them in the beginning of Better Call Saul, they're strange. They're not talking with each other. And it's all because she had a lot of questions as to why her husband died and for what reason and he was arguing on the phone one night and she didn't and she was like i could have sworn it had to be with the father-in-law which is mike herman trout and mike saying that yeah he knew that his kid was on the take but he said take the fucking money or not on take that they were pressuring him to do it he goes you got to do it just to shut your mouth or whatever um and they end up killing his son Mike has now put himself in, he said, he goes, I, it, it, one of the best lines that a cop from Philly comes to Albuquerque when he sees him. And he goes, how you doing, Mike? And he goes, feeling like a 
crawled out of the bottle and I want to stay out of it because he was drinking himself basically to death once his son died because he feels like he had a hand in it. Right. And the, uh, how Mike gets a revenge. Pretty fucking crazy. Um, Do you want to tell it? I'll probably miss parts. I'll let you fill it in. But basically he's at the bar in Philly drinking him, drinking away his sorrows. He sees two cops. The two cops he pretty much knows were involved in his son's mm-hmm. death. Calls him out on it. I yeah, I know it was you hugging yep. him. Yep. Oh my god! Fucking leaves the bar, gets pulled gets pulled over by the cops in question. They put him in the car, and um, they fucking drive him to like this fucking factory in the middle of the night. Nobody's there, and. Uh, Mike was playing him the whole time. Like they took. He his, wasn't they, as drunk. Yeah, he, he, he was. He was having drinks tonight because he had to make it right. seem like he was still as drunk, but he was in play mode. Exactly. And they took his gun from they him. They took his gun, but I don't remember how he got a gun or he gave him an unloaded gun or something like that. So I because I, I just I, this is where I forget. So Mike, before going into the cop uh, cop bar, uh-huh. went to their car uh-huh. in in. And he had that long string that if you put around the, the door, you were able to, with a little bit of a circle, you were able to put it around the lock, tighten it, right. pop up a lock. He did that and stashed a gun in there. We didn't yeah, see him actually do the stash. We saw him go over and do that because we saw him start that and that was it. And then when they did pull him over, they go, oh, we're going to take your gun, buddy, just to be safe. And they put him in the back seat. They took his empty gun, and when, and they're they're like, all right, we gotta stage it. He's sad. His kid died. He's drinking himself to death. It seems like it's a good idea. And all of a sudden, you hear Mike go, "It's exactly what I would do." And they turn around, and he already has a fucking gun up and ready. The guy pulls the trigger. It's empty. Shoots him. Gets the other guy in the neck. But Mike also gets shot in this time, right in the shoulder, which is hysterical because. When he gets into town and he's bleeding, he goes to the bus station. He goes to the bus station and he goes into the the female uh, bathroom. Female, I've never said that's so weird. In the ladies' room, tampons. And he puts tampons on. I go, it's fucking brilliant. Oh my god! I'm like, that was he's good. Um, this is something I gotta say. I think I put this in here. I missed my calling. I want to be. I think I need to become a vet just to get involved <laughs> with a lot of illegal sketchy shit. Vet. Dude, that's the sketchiest vet in the fucking history of the world. And that's not even the first time that we have another oh, doctor no. on the take in this show. Oh, no. And it gets, it gets even better than that. But we'll save that for when we get there. So, in correlation with all this, the Kettlemans. They are oh, God. the secretary and treasurer of whatever. It, County. It, yeah. Or and they stole $1.5 million. And they first get the legal help of Jimmy for a second. And he's trying to get him. He loses them to HHM. Um, so he ends up, and he tries to, once Jimmy actually, to step aside before I even really get into the Kettleman's, he went from being in the mailroom to becoming a lawyer on his own without even saying that to anybody other than Kim. Kim Wexler, who is his friend. We've seen them kind of interact in the show, and they don't become relationship-ish until maybe like halfway through the show yeah. of the series. Um. But then you had mentioned how that old lady thing, or the old lady nursing home thing, the sandpiper crossing. Sandpiper, yep. yep. And I love when he goes in and, and writes the 
whatever like you're being summoned or whatever it was he had to write it on fucking toilet paper on the <laughs> end of it because he had it written he, he put it on the back of this writing the whole on the back of a the cardboard on a tap uh, tap tablet of paper mm-hmm. that would be yeah, called this thing like Jesus Christ chicken nuggets are slowing down here so one of the people we do Clifford Clifford in Maine that's where he works he worked at Clifford in Maine Clifford, in Maine. Clifford right. is, so he gets denied working with Sam Piper or with Sam Piper he goes to HHM shows right. him this right Chuck is like this is a class action lawsuit like millions of dollars and he presents it to Howard now Howard hmm is the son of the original H. H. Howard Hamlin, it took me a minute when I first started watching this guy and it, it hit me who he was. He was the professor in Saved by the Bell College Years that was banging Kelly for, he had like longer black hair. Oh, it, it was the voice, I, 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 you couldn't mistake in him. Uh, you come to really, you're like, you feel for Howard because you're like, you, you do and you don't. You're like, you seem like you're a piece of shit. But Chuck is pulling a lot of strings, even with his faking this illness is what we're going to end up... Not faking. He thinks he has it. That's what I'm saying. Um, But Howard, he's telling him, no, let's not let him be in the... Here's the first time, one of the biggest times we see Chuck fuck him over. So Chuck is allergic to this shit. And once... Uh, Chuck says you should bring this to HHN this this lawsuit you have to you have to let them handle it we can't do this right here on our own right it and reignites it, it reignites Chuck's passion for the yep. law and gets him moving even though he's still dealing with his allergies right but then Jimmy goes this is awesome he goes maybe I'll be able to get one of the room one of the offices that's near the one window there blah 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 because he's jacked up because now you bring this kind of thing in most lawyers are going to make you partner and Chuck hears this and goes outside while Jimmy is asleep grabs his cell phone out of the mailbox because all electronics your watches your phones everything you have to go in the fucking mailbox and this guy oh, there's a grounding wire before yep, you come in yep but this guy is wearing a giant it's like an aluminum foil blanket. yeah and he is uh, and he calls Howard in the middle of the night and Jimmy figured it out, by the way. Mm-hmm. He went through his phone. He goes, because my battery never dies. How would that have happened? And it was you know, through that. So I love it because it's the first time he tells Howard. He goes, he's like, I'm sorry, Jimmy. We want the case, but we don't want you as a partner. And, he, and this first time, Jimmy calls him a pig fucker. <laughs> <laughs> and so through this, he ends up kind of quitting law for a second but and kind of making a couple of schemes and he shows Kim how his scheme life is and they start doing with what he used to do with Marco. Yeah, the bottle of tequila. Yeah, and that's where if anybody pays attention, the bottle of tequila that they use often in Better Call Saul is the one from Breaking Bad where they poison a... I forget his name. Uh, one Mexican Don Don Eladio. Yep. Where Gus Fring gets everybody right there with mm-hmm. that bottle because it's a very specific sharp top. Yeah, it looks like a tequila. It looks like a like a cactus kind. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so he shows her some of the schemes and she's like, "But really, you should probably get back to work or something." So he ends up meeting with Clifford and Maine, and they end up partnering with HHM for the Sandpiper case. 
So he ends up working there. And then he didn't realize how babysat he was going to be there by that Aaron girl. And everything that he could do to get fired was the funniest fucking shit. <laughs> so Clifford was like playing the guitar. He's like, this is how I relieve stress. This dude gets a bagpipe. <laughs> and he goes, I think I'm really getting it. I, uh, This is my favorite one. When Clifford comes out, he goes, everybody, I need your attention. Um, I feel like I really shouldn't be having to have this conversation, but whoever is going to the bathroom and not flushing. <laughs> and it, we're talking about a number two. And he goes, I'm sorry, I thought we could save on it. He goes, I, I don't need to save that money, Jimmy. I'm sorry. But he's also, this is the giant introduction to Jimmy, who will be Saul soon, is clothing. He did it to annoy the shit out of Cliff and Maine mm-hmm. um, and ends up, you know, kind of keeping to it. Now, here is where a lot of things start to connect because this is where Jimmy will have to be involved eventually through his connections. But Mike, through the vet, ends up getting a protection job where he meets this dork. Uh, I cannot think of his name right now. The, the, it, Oh, it was a, the nebbishy guy that works in uh, the pharmacy. Yeah, I cannot think of his name yeah, off the top of my head right now. Name. Yeah, because he gets, he gets any, any, so, to make meth. But the fucked up thing was, who did he meet with? Because he got recruited by somebody and so, three guys met up. So the three guys meet up. The first guy that's there is a giant, huge mountain man. right? Or no, Mike is by himself. And oh. he's sitting there with his lunch, lunch bag. bag. And then you see this real big, giant mountain man. He is the pimp of the girls in El Camino. Boom. Is that what that was? He was he was in El Camino. Right. So his fast forward job later, because obviously right. we saw him run away during right. this part. Yes, yes, yes. Or maybe not pimp, he's like just the protection okay. of the girls yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That are at the, the garage. The garage, yes. Is. So the other guy is the guy who is the voice for Trevor. On Grand Theft yes, Auto Five, that's what it was, that's and it's it was. so awesome. And this is yeah. where he's like, "What are you carrying?" And Mike goes, "Pimento," and he goes, "What?" And he goes, "It's a cheese." Okay, I, I gotta Mike. say, my wife hates that I do so much. Like, I'll do his voice all day. Like, if she's like, "Hey, are you are you done with that?" I am, because he doesn't go. I am. He goes, "I am," or I'll always do the. <laughs> so. Here's what you're gonna do. <laughs> I but my favorite part of this thing is where. Well, what are you gonna do if you need a gun? Oh, I guess I'll take it from you. And how he takes it from him, hits the dude in the throat, drops him. Uh, and it, they were all gonna get five hundred dollars a piece or something like that, and then he drops them all and he gets in the car. And he's like, "Now I think we're squared away. I'll be taking all the money." But. Who he's meeting up with is Nacho Varga. Ignacio, Ignacio becomes one of my absolute favorite characters in the entire saga of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. You goddamn feel for him. Uh-huh. He is a friend of Tuco, but he's doing a side business thing here with these pills with this uh, the dorky guy. It's killing me. Look his name up for me. <laughs> so 
uh, while they're doing this interaction, he gets shorted 20 bucks. And Nacho goes, you think I'm going to short this thing or, or, uh, on purpose? And Mike goes, mistakes happen. It's okay. But, but, but you gotta, it's got to be the correct amount or no deal. And he hands over the money. And, oh, God, it, it's killing me until you be able to figure this guy's name out. But then he gets back in the car and he goes, how did you know that you didn't need the gun? And he said, well, you got a bargain. That's the best part about Ermintrout is he does a lot of research and he figured out that Nacho worked for Tuco and he knew that the deal absolutely had to go smoothly. So, is it Kevin, Kevin Watchtel? Price. His name was, he, he used an alias of Price, but we find out that his name is, and you found this, Daniel Wormlin. But he, he likes the name Price, and he's using it as a alias when meeting with Nacho and everybody. So what you see in this deal here is Mike is providing protection, obviously, for this guy. And through this, he ends up, while meeting Nacho in this scenario, this guy... So let me back up and figure out how this, the exact order goes. Okay. So Nacho is showing up to the meeting. They keep doing it. And Mike is at the same parking garage again. But now Price shows up in the biggest, worst Hummer I've ever seen. A yellow Flashes. with a red. Yeah. With flames. The spinning uh, rims. And... Mike goes, we're not getting in that. We're taking my car. And because what he's saying is we have to do this as low key as possible. We have to, you know, caution is the whole name of the game. And so he goes, well, fine. I, I don't need you. If it, so I'll just go by myself. Nacho goes, where's the old man? Did he break a hip or something? He goes, right. And he goes, no, we just parted ways. Nacho sees this as an opportunity. He goes, what a nice vehicle. May I take a look inside? His dumbass like, yeah, take a look. at Oh, yeah, it's so good. You could do this and that, blah, 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 blah. And all he had to do was just open up, look at the registration, and here's this guy's address. Again, everything is happening here. All like It's all happening for a reason. What I did like in this, he goes, uh, Price, he goes, oh, the best thing about it is it's dual uh, air, so you can have a girl in a bikini on one side and a girl in a full snowsuit on the other side. And he goes, you have two girls in this car at the same time. Like, it, like just knowing him, because he's a big fucking dork. The dude oh, is like 5'4". Yeah. But what this leads to is this guy is dumb enough while doing illegal shit in his life. If you get robbed, doesn't matter, man. You can't call the cops if you're doing illegal shit. Nope. They see the flashy fucking car. The cops show up. And, and he's like, but my baseball cards, that's what was taken. That's all I care about. And some cash. But it's the baseball cards. That's all we're worried about. And the cops were able to see real easily that how everything is all knocked over. How when you pull the couch right out, perfect. the baseboard, yep, it met up perfectly. The baseboard, and it's empty. Because you know that's where the cash was. And this leads to him showing up to the police station where Mike works as the parking attendant. And he goes, what do you hear? He goes, oh, I have business with the police. All right, pull over there. We got to talk. 
And and he's like, why have me? He's like, break it. He goes, because you're putting me at risk. I can't talk about a mic thing and not just use his voice. Sorry. He's got a great voice. <laughs> I'll be doing it in a minute. Jesse. No. So um, he tells him, just go home. I'll get your baseball cards back. And he knew exactly who it was. It was Nacho, obviously. How he shows up, I love this, is he goes to the father's chop shop where they... Uh, or they do uh, interior, uh, interior uh, yeah. upholstery yep. and stuff like that. Yeah, Man, when Nacho sees him, the looks on his face. I like how he's talking. He's like, my dad thinks that you should uh, maybe just kind of get a new car, you know? And he, But he's like motioning, like, get the fuck out of here. And this is the first time I'd ever heard the terminology, for real, the carrot and the stick. And I had to look it up because I'd never actually heard that before. Really? Yeah. And that was the first I was like, that... I don't know what the fuck that means. You know what I mean? And then how he explains it. Uh, but I love it. And he goes, oh, yeah? Is this a stick? Because you need a bigger fucking stick, old man. He's like, the stick is Tuco Salamanca. And I was like, oh, shit. Here we go. So he, gets, he goes, I'll give me the baseball cards back. And you'll net roughly like 60000 or something like that. And it's because if you take that Hummer, because that's what's about to happen, right. he has to give over the Hummer just to get his baseball cards back and some money. But the funniest thing is he goes, she's a good girl. Just uh, you got to do the premium gas. He goes, the boys at the chop shop will take care of it. No problem. And he goes, what? And he goes, he goes that's a school, gu- a school bus for six-year-old pimps. <laughs> Fucking love it, dude. That's why I was like, I like Nacho. But Nacho now turns to Mike because... Tuco is apparently now starting to get on meth. He used to get on crank back in the day, and he tells this story about Dog Paulson and how Dog and Tuco were real good friends, but once he thought that he crossed him for half a second, shot his head off, and Tuco had, or, uh, Nacho has part of his skull in his shoulder. What's crazy in the first season, one of the very first Hank Schrader in-office things you hear when he starts talking about Tuco, he goes, former associates were Dog Paulson. Love, I love a good Easter egg, man. I, you, you put him in. I'm going to find it. So he's like, and I need you to sniper him. You got to take Tuco out. And instead... So Tuco every week meets at the this taco stand place. Yeah. And he meets with all of his dealers. Oh, right. And one of the first dealers he's meeting with, Crazy Eight. <laughs> You're like, what? Are you? And he's not even called Crazy Eight at this point. Right. And it's funny because he puts on a human lie detector test. He stares at people to see if like they're going to fuck him over or not. And that's Tuco being that. And the plan is that Mike had to come in. And he runs his car right into Tuco's car enough. Just hitting a corner where he's able to still park the car and it looked like he didn't hit it in a way. And then he goes, that old man just hit my car. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm like, I do not want to see this scene. Because you just knew something bad was going to happen. Mike doing the... So he goes in, just acts like an old man and goes, hi, can I get some tacos? And, And the guy's like... All right, Tuco goes, you hit my car. No, I don't believe I did. Nacho goes, I saw it too. Smart of Nacho. Get, make sure that you, he knows you're, you're not, a, you have nothing to do with this. You're there. So after, so they're kind of drawn back and forth and he goes to, 
open up his wallet and you can see that Mike has several hundreds in there. Pays with a 20. Thank you, por favor. About the door, right? And then Tuco follows him out and says he wants his wallet. And he goes, guys, I only have a couple bucks in here. He's like, and, and they're like, I just saw it. He's like, you're lying to me. And then Tuco goes, give me your wallet. And Mike leans in and goes, I'm not giving you a damn thing. And I go, fuck, God, he's too badass. I want to be him when I'm his age, dude. Um, by the way, Mike is in the first Beverly Hills Cop. Is he? Yep, he is one of the dirty guys. That kills Mikey. Oh. How's that for you? So, he then lets Tuco, or or he grabs on to Tuco's shirt as the sirens are coming. Nacho beats it because he he has all the cash and drugs and shit. They gotta go. And he keeps holding on to him. And Tuco is wailing on this dude hard and taking punch after punch. And he's still holding on. He backs himself up to a banister enough to hold himself up. Just enough so the cops could actually see him. And my favorite, that all you got? And Tuco laughs and punches him. So, huge, huge beginning to this. But now that's how Tuco is going to be out of the picture for the rest of this show. Yep. For for the show. Which they reference on Breaking Breaking Bad about, oh, I spent time with him in the can. Skiing Pete. Yep. Yep. So, let's see. Now, Hector is strong-arming Mike. Hector walks. Hector Salamanca walks into the diner and just sits in front of Mike. Why am I saying that? Because dude's in the wheelchair in Breaking Bad, and you, you never really hear why. Just a lot of dinging. And he tries strong arm Mike for the insane look at you gotta say that the gun was yours. I, he's another one I got. You tell the cops the gun was yours. You I don't give a shit. You make it up. I like when he shows up later to have a deal with him and he goes, He's got a gun. He goes, I don't give a shit about the gun. He was Ace Ventura's landlord. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's, I like this. So, he doesn't accept. He's like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. First, he sends some guys to his house. And I like how Mike walks in, turns the TV on and make it look like he's just sitting there watching the TV. And, the, and he already knew the guys were in the house. Yeah. And then they, he, they wouldn't take it. But then he ends up, while he's at a pool with his granddaughter, you know, he's now made men's with the daughter and he's taking care of her. And what she's like, Papa, he's like, it's anything you need. Uh, he's, he's stopping work to just to go help out the, the granddaughter, which he's doing everything he can to make it right. And it's the first time we see the Salamanca twins and they're staring over the pool and they do the pointing of the yeah. finger. And, you're, and I'm like, oh my God. So that's when he goes... He goes to the the taco place, I think, at night, and they're all sitting around, and he goes, it's 50000 now. And and he goes, Hector's like, no, that's the money's off the table anyway. And he goes, I either get 50000 and neither of us are leaving here, which, fucking Thanks, crazy, man. dude. And, and then, my and, that's, and it's funny you say that, because Hector laughs, and he goes, why oh, you live so long with a mouth like that? And he gets it, and he goes, but the gone is yours. And now, Jimmy is going to have to help him during this he's already helped by the way during that investigation of the death of the policeman mm. he asked Jimmy to come in and be his lawyer 
strictly so Jimmy could spill coffee on the guy and yep. steal the fucking notepad, which was just so good. Yeah, there's so many ins and outs to this oh. thing. But, so, as he is uh, dealing with now, the, he has to say, oh, the gun was mine. They're like, are you being <clears throat> uh, threatened or anything like that? And he's like, just whatever. The gun was mine. It's all set. Whatever. Uh, now, one of the... Uh, now we're first going to see Gus. He gets involved in the show now. We're starting to see him. They need a new... Because he's doing so well. They keep calling him the chicken man. I love chicken it. Man. The chicken man. One of the first things that Hector does to really... he doesn't He's not only just trying to fuck over Mike and strong over him and get Tuco back into the game. He also is trying to keep the Salamanca name bigger than Puyos Hermanos and Gus because in the eyes of Lalo... Or I'm sorry, not Lalo, but in the eyes of uh, Don Eladio... He wants to be the that kingpin because those are Eladio's two main guys. Exactly, and they're at war with each other because he wants to just be the main one. The, the fuck the chicken man. It's funny because someone you know how like if you just dub over the words or not dub over you put you write words on a video, and if it's wrong, but you hear it that way, right? Right. Cabron, I'm here to see your boss. But if you hear it just right, when Hector says it to the kid and you put balls, cabron, I'm here to see your balls. That's kind of how it sounds. It's really fucking awesome. <clears throat> so, so now that they are trying to, he's trying to push out product, Mike decides to start fucking with Lalo. Or not, why do I keep saying Lalo? Because it's going to happen soon. Together. Yeah, but he keeps fucking with uh, Hector's stuff. First was tying up the driver as he you know got all the tires to pop with that which by the way getting the little granddaughter to help drill all the holes just fantastic but then he had to wash it at the end to make sure Uh, so through that he finds the money in the tires which was sick Hector is pissed and then he does another one where he puts the fucking shoes on top of the thing yeah. and he shoots cocaine on top of the, uh, the truck. So it gets him stopped at the border. So he's got to find a new route. And he goes to Nacho. Tell Bobby, we come to his place and we're going to talk. And so Nacho's dad is straight and narrow, right? What sucks is that now Nacho has to he tries telling his dad he's like dad just please play along and he gives him money Um, so now he has to get back involved with Price Price calls Mike and he's like Nacho needs me and I'm not sure what this is about and he knew what the pills were he just needed them empty he was putting sugar or whatever like making them sugar pills the pill swap is easily the sweatiest I was watching oh, the yeah. fucking show. Oh, yeah. I, my heart was nuts. I was like, oh my god. Because every time he practiced, he missed. When it happened, the pills weren't even on that side that he tried when he dropped down the and he drops the money. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, he went like, so he went like this. He goes, he goes, does this uh, 100 look funny to you? 
And when he does it, he bends down so he could do it. And it's not even on that side. He goes, shit. And that's when he bends down, drops all the money, grabs the pills out. Does a swap back to the thing. He's sweating and shaking. Walks by, drop him. I don't give a fuck what you say. There's no way that he didn't feel or see that. No goddamn way. But, good scene. So that leads to Gus. Eventually. But, before we get there, Mike... Is tr- Mike finds out that that first attack he did with the driver, Hector shot a good Samaritan in the face over that. And Mike was pissed, so he wanted to take revenge and just take Hector Salamanca out. And as he's getting ready to, his car horn is beeping. And he goes running back, and there's just a note that says, don't. And then he's trying to figure out how someone even knew that he was there. It and was when he was at the like the uh, like the bodega in Mexico. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so he's trying to figure out how anybody even followed him, knew anything, right? This is where he takes the car completely apart, needs a cab, and then realizes that gas cap. Wait, I wonder if it's inside there. The gas cap. That's the right. gas cap GPS. And Mike is so smart that once he finds it, he brings it to the vet. Can you help me f- locate whatever this is here? And he goes, yeah, it's a tracking device. And he orders himself a tracking device. Plays with it. Learns about it. And then does a swap out. To the point where they all end up driving. Oh, oh wait, he put his, a radio to it. So it killed the battery and they would have to come. And then he could go to wherever that was. And that's how he finds out it's Gus Fring. Then he has a meeting with him. And that's when, you know, he's like, you can hurt his business, but it's not in his best interest to be dead right now. And then is the, not too long ago, right after that is when we find out that Bolsa, he is like the peacemaker mm. with, from Don Eladio. He comes to town and has Gus, Hector, Nacho. Nacho, Nacho was on the way to go kill him. By the way, yeah. he, was, he has a gun. He's ready to kill him. And then the other guy show up. He goes, good, you got my message, man. Here, I hope you're strapped. Yep, yep, yep. That's why I was here. <laughs> and this is where he suffers his stroke because he takes the, the pills. Sure, pills, yep. And this is Salamanca blood, Salamanca name. The boss can sock me. Fucking, I love it. I was like, it's his best lines, obviously. And this is last. Goes down. Nacho's concern on the pills and paying attention to him, fucking Gus saw it. He knew it. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to keep their game going. Kayfabe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's he's good at selling. <laughs> so the next time that the ponytail-haired guy and Nacho show up to go get their half of the meth to turn around and sell... Gus, Gus takes a fucking plastic bag, zip ties it around the neck of the ponytail hair guy, bounces his face off the fucking car, and hog ties this dude in 10 seconds or less while Nacho is held at gunpoint. And then he says, I own you. Fuck, what a twist. This dude was just trying to get out. He was almost out. And now he's stuck here. Stuck. Jesus Christ. So, do you realize you spent the last 45 minutes breaking down 
all of it. Just Better Call Saul. I we know. haven't even touched Breaking Bad or El Camino yet. Shit, maybe we have to come back to it another <laughs> day. But here's where it'll speed up a bit more now. Because that is the big, that a lot of that lead up is why a lot of these things happen though. So because now Hector's down and out, now we get Lalo. Lalo. Love fucking Lalo. Which all the names are now t- coming together because when Saul meets Walter and did Jesse. Did Lalo send you? Did Lalo send you? It wasn't me. It was Ignacio. Holy shit. All that makes sense now. Mm. So crazy. I even wrote here. Lalo enters and just fucks it all up. Yeah. Um, and he starts looking for Mike Ermintrout and the guy that's building the meth lab. Vernon Ziegler. And he's trying to find him. And Lalo is the one that dubs Crazy Eight. He's the one that gives him the name. He goes, ah, this is the loco ocho of this guy, man. Loved it. I do got to just throw through here. Uh, Hank and Gomi. We get a little bit of them in there. Uh-huh. They come into the show uh, every now and then. Now, let me see here. So, now, they... <laughs> with this whole thing... Jimmy ends up, he doctors the paperwork. Chuck is ready to finally get back in court. He's going to go there and and do this big sandpiper thing. And while Chuck is out sleeping, Jimmy goes to that copy store and fucking... So the work that he does, amazing. Puts it all back. One day after the Magna Carta, or one year after Magna Carta, and he, gets, he flips just the the address wrong, so it fucks everything up. Oh, it wasn't Sandpiper; it was for uh, Mesa Verde, Mesa the Verde. bank. Yeah, we're trying to open a location, and he fucked up the location on it. So Chuck then thinks I'm going crazy, blah blah blah, blah. but he he also goes, wait, it's not past my brother to do this, and fucking. Figures it figures out it all out. To the fucking to, yeah, because he tells it to Kim. He goes, when I was out, he went to the copy store, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, or he goes, yeah, because I would do it. He goes, you are a lot of things, but lazy is not one of them. I mean, like, you'll put the work in. Yeah. And when Chuck goes to the, to the copy store, and Saul went there first, or Jimmy, and prepped the kid, because yeah. he found out that Ernie... Uh, the Ernesto Ernesto was going over and so when he drops because all the electricity the printers and all that shit when he drops and hits his head that's when he was able to figure it out because he goes I'm out and and uh, he said to Jimmy he goes I'm out and he goes how long was I out and he found out from Ernesto and he goes and there you were to help me so Making it, and what's crazy is Kim knows it now. Yep. She gets in the car after they both deny it, and they're like, You're fucking crazy, dude. And she punches him three times in the arm or something like that, and she goes, Just drive. Because she knows how he does law. Now, he wants her to quit, and they do a, a practice together. But because of all this, now Chuck has recorded. Jimmy admitting to him. Oh, that's right. That later he goes, okay, fine, I did it, I did it. Because Chuck is like, I'm real crazy. He starts doing those space blankets all over the house. Yeah. Um, and he goes, I'll, fine, I did it, I did do it. 
and he goes, do you realize you just committed or just admitted to a felony? And he's like, my word against yours. And the guy fucking recorded it with an electric device playing him. And Jimmy plays him back in court. Oh, fucking. Brings Chuck's ex-wife into it. And this is when we are introduced to Huel. That's right. <clears throat> Was it Robert Crawford, I think? Or no, oh, Val Crawford. Oh, big Black. Yeah, uh, Huel. <laughs> He's the pickpocket guy. On the money. Yeah, I gotta do it, man. Him and Bill Burr. Oh, my God. You happy? Reasonably. <laughs> so, the... So with the uh, oh fuck where was I with that okay so brings Huel to court because he plants just a battery just a on battery. Chuck and Chuck is like oh let me guess Jimmy you uh, you have a phone on you and he goes oh yeah we got me but there's no battery on it and he goes haha and he goes feel your right breast pocket or whatever it was and the battery was there touching his skin for like forty five minutes and I love it and he goes. That has been on you for 40 minutes. And then Huel in the back goes, 48. <laughs> <laughs> so through this, Chuck kills himself. Kicks over the lanterns yeah, in his house. Fucking house. Fucking crazy. Spinal tap. I know, dude. That's so crazy. That's him. Um, so this was, that. that's the end of him. Now, Nacho, being that he's working for Gus... They're trying to take out Lalo because Lalo is fucking shit up. Lalo's fucking crazy as shit, too. And he has to rat on Nacho and where he's at. And it's crazy because Nacho had to play the part. He actually goes to meet Don Eladio right before this, too. Mm-hmm. And he's like, How are you going to do? How are you going to take over and get money here, right? Um, oh my God. When you meet or when you see Don Eladio at this part, when Lalo gives him the car. And he goes, oh, like a Magnum P.I. And he goes, the trunk is in the front. He goes, oh, El Franc. <laughs> that makes me laugh every time. Um, and so Nacho has to play the part like he's in. He's in the gang, but he is just about to fucking rat. And he sets basically like an oil fire in the kitchen. Yep. And escapes. Opens the door for what was the Peruvians, we've, we come to find out. Yeah. That we're gonna come in and take Lalo out. That's what. Yep. So now he's on the run, and then we are now into the final season of Better Call Saul. And while he's on the run, man, the Salamanca twins going after him, and he's he goes into that fucking, the, I I call it the oil bath, where he lays in that oil tank, uh-huh. and just r- ridiculous. But he never realized he was on his own little death mission. Gus didn't care if he came back. Gus was like, it doesn't matter. And once he found out, he was pissed. And they bring him back in because the Salamancas are now pointing fingers saying that he ratted on Lalo. We got, he's got to go. But Hector's playing a fucking game. This was crazy. Lalo gets a hold of Hector and says, I'm still alive. We're good. And Bolsa says to Fring and Hector, the boss wants this to end. And Hector shook Gus's hand. And that's when Gus goes, Lalo lives. He knows he's alive. Because he would never shake my hand. 
right. over the death of him, right? And he was like, I had nothing to do with it, but the boss wants peace. Shake your hands. And once he shook his hand, he knew Lalo was alive and he had to get him back. Or get him out of there. The measures that they do, you have a fake Gus that's going around, driving around. They have him going underground from one house to another. How Trout have everything set up is just ridiculous. And Lalo's coming back into town. Nacho has to play ball and die and be the main reason for Lalo's quote-unquote death. But he asked Mike, I need to assure that my dad's going to stay alive. And I love how he goes, any, and Mike goes, anybody who's going to your father has to go through me. And, and so you knew he was taken care of. He looked, I think that Mike's relationship with Nacho is the exact same with Jesse. Yeah. A young kid that he's like, God, you have potential. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to be in this. You could just totally tell. Nacho's death was fucking... Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, my God. When he when he just pulled the fucking trigger, like, on himself. How he got Bolsa with the, the glass that Gus broke earlier in the episode. You never even think about it, right? And Nacho just happens to look at the garbage and see it, grabs it, holds it. And he has the gun to Bolsa. And he could pull the trigger. Everybody has their guns drawn. But if he killed Bolsa, his dad's done. Mm-hmm. And then he takes his own life. Yep. That's the way to go out. Yeah. The weirdest part is that they still carry Hector over and he wants to shoot. He's like, I want to shoot. And all you see is him being shot. Gus gets in the vehicle. But the this is where what, Peter Gold, Gould? No, no. What's his name? Who's, who's the writer of the show? Oh, I have no idea. That guy. Oh, my God. Uh, Vince Gilligan. Oh, there you go. They zoom in. You see the flower that you saw in the very beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. But at the end, it's where Nacho's foot was. And every time they were only right on his foot, you see him being shot. And you just see the foot go, bam. Like, just a little twitch. little twitch. It was just enough showing, like, it's still affecting the body, like, him being shot. But it's funny, like, he's dead. And he's like, I want to shoot him. Ding, 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 ding. Gus ends up luring Lalo to the lab. Which is still under construction. Yep. Oh, wait. Before that, Lalo comes back in town. Now, Kimmy and... Kimmy. Jesus Christ. Kim. What? Are you laughing at? I just... I didn't know you were going to just recap the entire fucking I, I didn't think I was going to. Jesus That's Christ. what we're doing today is just better calls. Oh, I didn't oh, anticipate oh, this. <laughs> All right. Everybody yeah. dies. Well, no. We got to... Because you, you missed a point. You're already... I know where you were going. Okay, so... Wait, wait, wait. Yes. Lalo visits... Hector in the nursing home after the stroke when he comes up to kind of take his oh, and, and he tells him he's like remember that time we raided that fucking hotel the guy wouldn't pay you and before you fucking burned down the fucking hotel you're like I like this bell I'm taking it with me and he took it and he gives him the box and it's the fucking bell it's how and Lalo fucking puts straps it to his fucking thing and says look now if you want to say yes you just fucking clink the bell and he fucking you see and he's doing that it's like he has no teeth because his lips are curled. And he's like... And he gets all excited. He's breathing through his nose. And you just see his fingers shaking. And ding, ding, and ding, 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 ding. And you see Lalo just smiling. Oh, Lalo loves it. So, meanwhile, Jim, me... I mixed it up earlier and said Kimmy. Jim, me, and Kim... <laughs> 
are plotting against Howard because they want Sandpiper to settle. They need to get the money. Jimmy's throwing bowling balls over the fence. Oh, my God. <laughs> and now how they get Howard back is taking down his career, mm. saying that he's a cokehead. Mm. They plant coke at the, the, country club. the country club. How they get it on the paper and his eyes dilated during that meeting they swap out the guy that looks like the, the mediator for the meeting and the picture is it and then it's one of the film crew people that he's had the college yeah. kids which by the way oh love those college yeah, kids the they're college fucking kids. hysterical <laughs> the girl is funny and dumb I'll never forget one of the ones when he's like yeah the guy who wrote Pina Colada he went to this school and she's like really and he goes yeah and then all of a sudden she goes I thought he was from England. And he goes, he like looks back, he goes, you're right. And that's why it's so important about this part here. When he moved to America, I was like, Jesus Christ, I, he's great. The, the other scam with the, uh, oh, fudge, the old guy and the alcoholic in the wheelchair that they were pretending was a vet. <laughs> and he gets around for the picture and he goes, jeez. <laughs> so anyway, they're plotting against him. They do all the coke shit. Sending hookers, uh, they get it. They actually fucking get Huel to pickpocket a parking garage guy so they can mi- uh, copy his Mimic key his to his pop, right? yeah, yeah. And steal the car. So you saw the Namaste plate, right? And he was dressed. He had a wig to look just yep. like. Oh my god! <laughs> That's right. The billboard one too. And he did that too, by the way. Um, see, there's so many that we could break with this. Jesus Christ. Um, so now Howard. Is lost everything. Sandpiper had to settle. And he goes to Jimmy and Kim's apartment. Drunk. And starts telling him, I know it was you guys and Bravo. And and he had a McCallan or McCullen uh, drink. He goes, this is what your brother and I would drink after every big win. So let's all have a drink. And they're like, we're good. A great part I like about this is when Jimmy opens the door for Howard... Kim notices the the candle flicker, mm-hmm. so that when they're talking with Howard, and now Lalo enters the room, the candle flickers again and catches their attention. Kim knew that Lalo was still alive because Ermin Trout told her, mm-hmm. thought she could take it. He said, "You're you're made of sterner stuff," but he didn't, and so he he saw a ghost walk in the fucking room. And did you notice that Howard fell the same exact way Chuck did? How he bangs his head. Bangs his head, yeah. Their reaction to his shot looked real as fuck. Like they actually didn't even know it was going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then that's where he has Kim go to shoot Gus in the face. And Mike interferes. And kind of in the same manner as how he did with Walter. Yeah. We're definitely doing better call Saul and El-, El Camino another day. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, uh, Gus lures Lalo to that lab where he has hidden the gun. Uh-huh. And he was going to kill Gus right there on the spot and he flips the fucking tables and shoots him. And Lalo is buried under the fucking meth lab with Howard Hamlin. With Howard, yeah. And the best part is Mike sets it up so he drives Howard's car to the beach 
and fucking leaves the shoes and there's footprints to the ocean. He just walked out into the ocean and killed himself. Yeah. How fucking sad of a fucking end for that dude. Dude, that's fucking terrible. Especially with his career being a cokehead. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the funeral. Wife said she felt like they had something to do with it. Wife said to Jimmy and, and not me, Saul actually. So Saul and, Saul, and Kim. Yeah. Oh man, when he changed his name. What do you mean you're changing your name? It's all good, man. <laughs> Which he used that as slipping Jimmy sometimes. That yeah. was his name. Yep. 100%. The, then, you know, after that, you know, we, because of all that, as well as Kim admits to Saul, I knew he was back in town. All of a sudden, they get a divorce. She shows up for the divorce paperwork at his now office that we see in Breaking Bad, right? The pillars and all that yeah. shit. She, uh, he could give two fucks. He's like, have a good life. Adios. He's acting like he doesn't care. And she steps outside to smoke a cigarette. Hey, yo. Can I bum one of those, yo? <laughs> Fucking Jesse. Thanks, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool because he's talking to, he goes, you, you uh, defended my buddy Combo. Nice, nice, bringing his name in. He's like, he stole a baby Jesus. Like, you're going to go to hell for that, man. I fucking love... That was a better one. I didn't like the one with him and with Walter. Him and, or, or with him and Walter. Yeah. Which, reenacting all that together was great, too. So they show you that, how Breaking Bad is mixing into that, and how Trout said, do not contact this guy. He's more trouble than it's going to be. We don't need to deal with him. He's just small time. He's either going to be dead or arrested soon. And he doesn't listen to him. And then we go to the present day in the black and white and he doesn't listen again and then gets busted in a scheme that him and... By an old lady. By an old lady who is played by... Fuck. I don't remember. She was... Uh, no, she's very popular. I can't think of her. But anyway, so he plays her. And if you remember the very, very beginning of Saul, you had the taxi cab driver who ends up coming up to him in the mall and he's like I remember you man just say the line say Saul I'm Gene Takovic <laughs> right but that's another thing I didn't like the character swapped on him that's not the guy that drove the cab and talked to him the guy that they had played Jeffy mm. in season 6 mm. different guy oh bothered me I'm a continuity kind of guy but he the other guy was already in another project or another film or something gotcha, so they couldn't gotcha. do it uh, <laughs> so all that and he ends up yeah they partners up with him they do a, the schemes and shit and he gets arrested and I said earlier about coming full circle first Kim writes a whole fucking thing up and admits everything that happened with Howard Hamlin the death Lalo everything gives it to the, his wife and turns it attorney, in yeah. yep and Saul ends up trying to plead with them and it's funny he's like I want this place and it's this place because it's good sun this time of year and I want ice cream on every Friday (laughs) and they were going to hand a lot of it to him and here is the return that he never really saw her to begin with but Gomez's wife and Marie Schrader Mm -hmm. and he says in court if I did not meet Walter White Hank would be alive a whole lot of people would be alive. And he 
was like going on this thing, and it's like it's, it was all extremely true. He took the rap, and the end is him in jail and Kim living her new life. Kim getting in the cell with him, leaning against the wall and passing a cigarette back and forth. Like they used to at the first Yup. Oh my God. First, when he gets in the the bus ride, better call Saul. (laughs) But uh, Kim's new life. Here's something that you may not have caught. I did. They made a lot of decisions to do Howard's death, all this stuff, right? Mm. Her new life. She's not making any decisions. They're like, what do you think? Red or blue? She's like, oh, they're both good. And if, or like, whatever someone tells her, she just does. The husband goes, yep. I heard Miracle Whip is, be- is just as good as mayonnaise. And she repeats it at work. She's just, you know, don't, not, she's just going through the motions and living yep. life right now. Yep. She figures if she can't, if she doesn't, if she doesn't make any decisions, it's not going to be on her when stuff goes bad. Yep, exactly. Do you remember her? The hearing her having sex with her new husband. Yep, 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 yep. (laughs) Oh my god! And then Jimmy takes it all, and at the end they do the finger point banging to each other. The I think that was a great closing shot. All of it, man. And he really it's because Chuck had said to him, "You're slipping, Jimmy. You're never gonna be anything." But took the rap on everything in the very end. Mm And that was the other thing. When they're like, Mr. Goodman, he goes, the name's Miguel. He's going all the way back, man. He took it all back. It was, yeah. I can't say enough how well they did Better Call Saul. Again, you said it at the beginning. I've said this to you a trillion times on air and off. It's better than Breaking Bad. Now, granted, you can't have Better Call Saul without Breaking Bad because without Breaking Bad, it doesn't hold as much weight as it does. Yep. Uh, and it's not to say Breaking Bad is bad. But Jimmy McGill, the character... He's the character everybody wants to see. Yeah. He's the he's the one that's he's just trying to get by, but he's gonna be kind of sketchy about it sometimes. It's just Well, and you know what, instead of breaking down breaking bad, here, listen to this song.
my head and wear an awesome hat <laughs> oh i don't know who made that but that is fantastic i found that a long time ago and it's great um we really don't need to break into those we could probably yeah. touch everything i'm <laughs> <laughs> all out of beers <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. there it is male dominant motherfucking hey, it's, i think i got some coffee left jeez well, it has been quite a show. It was different today, getting face-to-face. We I did talk wrestling. Okay, we, we did talk. Better call Saul. We're out. Uh, leave us with five words. Smells like jazz in here. <laughs> can't believe you said that to the guy in the elevator. <laughs> the Top of Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by The Top of Wrestling Podcast. Your hosts are the Professor Mark Fantasia and ODM, the Doc, Joe Rizzo. Feel free to reach out to the show by email at thetopofwrestling at gmail.com, on their Facebook page, Twitter page, Instagram page. Remember to subscribe, like, and share. You can listen to the show on most popular platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, Pandora, and YouTube. Without your continued support, it would be just some guys talking wrestling, which is pretty much what it is anyway. Good night, folks.
Alright, Paige. Yeah. Uh, my client has an arrangement with a wealthy gentleman for whom <clears throat> Mr. Wormald provides art in exchange for this gentleman's generous, uh, we'll call it patronage. Art, like, like what, paintings? It's more like digital media. Digital media? He made videos for the man. What kind of videos? Private videos of an artistic nature. That's what was in the hiding place. That's what it's for. So this art patron stole the videos and the baseball cards. Well, there was a misunderstanding. I mean, uh, call it creative differences. Artists are volatile creatures. Guys, this all comes down to a lover's spat, okay? Two consenting adults had a falling out. That happens, and the uh, patron stole the videos and the baseball cards, to make a point, I guess. But the headline here is, it's all settled, hearts have mended, and Mr. Wormald will not be pressing charges. What was on these videos? They were private. You've said that. They were videos intended to titillate the senses. Okay, so porn. Not, no, not as such. Technically, they would be categorized as fetish videos, but nothing illegal, just a man, a fully clothed man, I might add, just all by himself. Just, just Mr. Wormald, fully clothed, uh, yeah, so. Yeah. All right, so fully clothed, Mr. Wormall, by himself, doing what? Yeah, come on, man, what? Squat cobbler. What's a squat cobbler? Squat cobbler, you know what squat cobbler is. No, I don't, I don't know what a squat cobbler no, is. No, me neither, what is it? What, you two guys are cops? Hoboken squat cobbler. Full moon, moon pie. Boston cream splat. <laughs> Seriously? Simple Simon the ass man. Dutch apple ass. Guys, am I not speaking English here? What the hell is a squat cobbler? It's when a man sits in pie. He sits in a pie. 